everyone, this is Chris, and you're listening to One Cross Radio. Uh, but today, things are a little bit different. I caught a ride um, with my dear friend, Carl Serizawa. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> we, were, uh, we were together uh, watching the... Uh, watching one of our favorite sports teams, the Miami Manatees. And then uh, Carl said, you know what? Our, uh, your friend Nathan is right nearby. I can get you over to Monster Island pretty quick. Just respect social distancing. Don't bring anything back to the ship. Um, so I'm like, all right, can do. I will, uh, I will make sure to say hi to our mutual friend Dallas through the door. Um, <laughs> we, we, uh, we didn't see Bex flying by, but that's okay. And uh, now we're here. Uh, we've got a bit of time because uh, Carl hasn't watched the final four episodes of Clone Wars yet. So this gives him some time to watch, absorb, and then ball because that's going to happen. <laughs> so today... I know. Uh, my, <laughs> my intrepid producer and I have watched those episodes. I know what you're talking oh about. Oh, my God. <laughs> also, oh, yeah. just what I thought I knew Everyone in the Sarazawa family, there's another one? This is quite fascinating. <laughs> you, you haven't met Carl. Uh, I think he was adopted into the family. I'm not 100% sure. but uh, <laughs> With a name like Carl, I assume there was adoption involved. <laughs> probably, but there, it's a sensitive topic and I don't want to push it. Um, <laughs> I totally get so, it. Dear listener, <laughs> so, dear listener, if you notice that today sounds different, because we are on location on Monster Island. We are in the Monster Island radio tower with none other than Nathan Marchand and uh, the intrepid producer, the always awesome Jimmy. Gentlemen, how are you doing today? Uh, Jimmy! <laughs> are you upset at me? I, I'm sorry, man. I didn't know you'd want poutine. I didn't know if you'd like it. It's it's iffy outside of Canada. Even the Brits, who I share blood with, they don't like it. They think it's gross. <laughs> I wasn't sure if you would. I'll bring some next time. I know where we can get some good stuff. I'm sorry. <laughs> all right, all right. I'll also bring you some, uh, uh, let's see. No, you got all this good trick stuff. What? Oh, wait, I can bring you some sour Skittles. Apparently those aren't available outside of Canada in certain areas anyway. Uh, I know my. You family say that, but I remember having them when I was uh, living in Indiana. So. <laughs> okay. Okay. No. See, I, I, there's <laughs> when I go to the state, uh, <laughs> you guys have like thirty extra types of cereal. Your <laughs> aisles go on for ages. You have A and W root beer pop tarts. <laughs> Uh, even I haven't seen those. What is this crazy oh. talk? <laughs> oh, it, they're, they're amazing. They taste delicious. They're going to give me uh, you want, Okay, if you're going to bring up Canada and cereal, I got a funny story for you. When I was right, in high school, <laughs> okay, when I was in high school, my family took a trip to Canada. We essentially went up to, as I, you know, I lived in Indiana. We went up into Michigan, into Detroit, crossed into Canada, and went all the way around Lake Erie. Okay, so we went okay. up, 
went around and spent camped in Canada and went on to the Canadian side of Lake Erie. Then we went over to Niagara Falls, spent a few days there, and then came around and went around the American side of Lake Erie. We went to a grocery store during the trip to get some cereal. And apparently everything in Canada is in both English and French. So we oh, found yeah. Yeah. so we found a <laughs> box of Captain Crunch that on the front said Captain Crunch and then you turned it over and it was the exact same picture as the front but in French. So it said Capitaine <laughs> Crunche. <laughs> As far as I know, my mother has still kept that because we thought it was that funny. <laughs> I don't, she didn't throw it away. So <laughs> it might be in storage someplace at their house and I would love to see it again. I gotta, I gotta find that. And that, that reminds me of a buddy of mine um, who, when he gets excited about things and jokes around, he'll, he'll stretch out the, the name. So it sounds ridiculous. Uh, like back when it was the, uh, I can't remember how many years ago, but one of the more recent Olympics and there was the hockey player, Dion Peniff. Uh, he'd stretch it out where you'd be like, Dion Peniff. <laughs> Captain Crunchy. Crunchy. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, oh now my I'm gosh. just thinking uh, about how there was, I, I don't remember if, I don't know if he's still playing anymore or not because everything got canceled by coronavirus. The yeah. There was a popular hockey player who shared my last name, and I kept wondering if he was a relative somehow. <laughs> I don't remember what his first name was or what team he played for. I just knew there was a popular hockey player with my name. <laughs> you could, uh, heritage. No, wait, no, no, down in the states of I was about to be like heritage.ca, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, you've already told me about how you grew up in Japan for a while and you had to learn to read cereal boxes in Japanese. <laughs> you, uh, how do you say Captain Crunch in Japanese? <laughs> oh, really? I'll take your word for it. <laughs> um, so, wait, but, but last thing, though, uh, before we dive into today's topic, because this is one I'm crazy excited to talk about and excited to talk especially with you about sir is um <laughs> yeah you become an avid Jimmy. fan of the show it was interesting oh, you oh got gosh, uh, you yeah. know uh, i was communicating with you you were doing your your youtube videos over the heisei gamera trilogy and i yeah. knew you before because we had talked before because you were a fan of the show and the i just got a hold of you and it's just hey if for whatever reason you feel like doing an episode of your show, I even said this might be a little crass, just just telling you this. If you wanted to do an episode on your of your show on the Heisei Gamera trilogy, I volunteer as tribute. So, <laughs> <laughs> and then you got you got back to me, said yes, I want to make it happen. Yeah. It's like okay, do you want to come here or should I, you know, fly back to the states? I was like, oh, I want to come to Monster Island. Okay, and then you said, and I want Jimmy on the show. Like really. <laughs> so congratulations you were the first time i have guest starred on a, another podcast where you wanted not only me but my intrepid producer who survived the <laughs> miraculously survived the infamous war in space but he still won't tell me how I'm not letting that go jimmy I'm not letting that go <laughs> well part of the reason i wanted to do this on monster island was one it's 
it's friggin' Monster Island. But then, <laughs> uh, you have in this radio tower, you have such a cool setup. Uh, so I was like, "Ooh, I get to tinker with some much better toys." Uh, <laughs> Don't then, press all the buttons. I'm not sure what all of them do. Heck, not even Jimmy is sure. Resisting, <laughs> I'm, I'm resisting the urge. Uh, if Men in Black taught me nothing else, is don't press the red button until Tommy Lee Jones tells me to. Yes. Uh, so until he tells me to, I'm going to ignore this big red button. But the, <laughs> <laughs> I just, I had to say this to Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy, the more I hear about your, your, your history and your story, I'm just, I'm just thinking like, man, that could be really cinematic. And recently over the past couple of years, we've gotten a bunch of big budget reboots and remakes uh, for better or for worse. I do think that your story would translate very well to the screen, but I think they cast you as they've cast Tom Cruise to play you. It's just who I picture. And that could be amazing or just quite odd. But I, I just wanted to let you know, Tom Cruise, you, you'd be Tom Cruise. Wow. He's quite flattered. <laughs> <laughs> Really, you're going to talk to some people in Hollywood to get them to film the next Mission Impossible here. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> I mean, he's already been joking with me the last couple of weeks about how the the Toho movie, based on his, his and many other people's experiences in the infamous War in Space, that fun little docudrama, he's already said it really should be subtitled The Jimmy from NASA Story. Despite the fact that it looks like he dies before the last 20 minutes. So, okay. <laughs> hey, man, unless, um, unless we see uh, someone get killed, and then if it's like Friday the 13th, that's no guarantee. Um, yeah, at this point, at, at this point, like I said, he won't tell me how it happened because if you listen to the first episode of my show, I talked about meeting Jimmy. I came here on a vacation, found out that there was a job opening for the the film curator because there's a film vault here on the island. They had a job opening for that. I applied for it. I managed to get it. I mean, I was geeking out so hard because, as our friend Bex might put it, I'm kind of a kaiju otaku. (laughs) 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 And so I was super excited to work on this island. And I thought, you know, I, I had done another podcast before kaiju vision radio I, I hadn't been on that for a while but like i want to do a podcast again especially after i saw the radio station here so i you know i talked to the right people you know the board of directors who i s- still wonder about sometimes here i've never seen them in person they i always have to communicate with them indirectly and board of shadowy figures yes <laughs> have you seen Evangelion. They remind me a little bit of Sele sometimes. <laughs> I I haven't seen Evangelion. Um, <laughs> All of your anime the... friends will get what I'm talking about then. And oh, yeah. If you ever watch it, you'll understand why that's mildly terrifying. But, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so I met Jimmy here, and I thought, what? I thought you were dead. And he said, eh, I get that a lot. <laughs> so like, how did you survive? And he wouldn't tell me. He refuses to tell me. I have been working with this guy for about eight months now, and he still won't tell me. So my theory, so my theory 
currently is that it was through the power of the retcon. <laughs> <laughs> through the power that that's well, I was going to say if if Jimmy was a movie, he'd be saving it for the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> Be sequel baiting hard. <laughs> sequel <laughs> baiting hard. All of that oh, to yeah. say, you're joining me here today because you want to do a bit more of a deep dive into three of the films starring one of our most popular kaiju residents here on the island. We have a lot of people who come to the ah. Monsterland Resort just to see the friend of all children, the guardian of the universe himself. <laughs> Guardian of the Universe, not Guardians. Uh, Guardian of the Galaxy. That's a whole other thing. <laughs> we did, we can't get sued, man. We can't get sued. <laughs> <laughs> and I am, of course, speaking about Gamera. <laughs> oh yeah. Um. So uh, before we dive in, I'll just I'll just say now. Um, and I shared some of these just in the quick thoughts videos I was doing. Gamera is uh, Gamera is a kaiju that I was peripherally aware of. Um, there, there, there's ones that you know, but you haven't necessarily seen. Well, heck, like they even they even dropped Gamera in as a reference on The Simpsons, um, yeah. which shows the impact that that he's had on pop culture. Uh, even though it's not not as big as say Big G Godzilla or Kong. Uh, who's much <laughs> Those, Kong. those are our big three here on the island. Every you know, most people come to see those three. Oh yeah, yeah. Although if 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 Ghetto was around, I'd be like, all right, I'm terrified, but I, I gotta I gotta do this. Uh, <laughs> Ghidorah is around. He's here on the island. The you should have saw him when the the kaiju threw their Christmas party. If you uh, if you uh, <laughs> listen to episode seven, I mentioned that uh, apparently Ghidorah's favorite Christmas carol is We Three Kings. <laughs> that checks out. That checks out. Uh, it, Ghidorah does seem to have an inflated sense of self until he is uh, just completely beaten down remorselessly by a bunch of monsters. Uh, it should be noted in most of his recorded battles, it took more than one other kaiju to defeat him. Oh yeah. Oh, he yeah. Uh, he oh, makes but, sure to uh, remind everybody, all of his neighbors here on the island. He makes sure to remind them of that often. <laughs> <laughs> Just maybe with the caveat of don't destroy all monsters. Me that got uncomfortable <laughs> real quick. <laughs> yeah, he still hasn't forgiven them for that. No, <laughs> I can't. I can't blame him, man. Like, that was brutal. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's still a little salty about that. Yeah, I've I've seen the video. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I I can't blame him. Uh, but <laughs> back to Gamera. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, Jimmy, stay on target. Got it. All right. <laughs> uh, I've been on such a Star Wars kick that I'm I'm gonna resist that urge. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, with Gamera, I hadn't seen any of uh any of Gamera's movies proper. Um, but then through a, a YouTube channel that I know you enjoy, um, up from the depth. Yes. <laughs> I went through, I went through all his Godzilla reviews. Um, then once he was finished Godzilla, he moved into Gamera. 
So I was like, okay, even though I know nothing about these, uh, I, I want to sit along for the uh, uh, along for the ride because I enjoy this guy's reviewing style and his his clear passion mm-hmm. for uh, for the monster. If I remember correctly, you would have been in the same boat as him for the most part because I think he said uh, in his intro video for those that I think he had seen the Heisei trilogy, but he hadn't seen any yeah. of the others. So yeah. it was all very new for him. Which, uh, that is that is brave territory. Because <laughs> um, as I was along for the ride, ha- having not seen any of them, but as my my kaiju my kaiju fandom uh, has grown and I've gotten a little bit more involved in the the kaiju fandom community, I've heard so many good things about the High State trilogy. Um, but it was I was still a little bit skeptical because it's like, all right, how is it going to be that good? Because uh, so many times within any movie fandom, you'll hear people, uh, and myself as well, I'm so guilty of doing this, being like, this is amazing. Like, this is insane. I've been doing that about Clone Wars for the past, like, two weeks. Um, but still, a little a little bit skeptical. Um, yes, Jimmy. It's supposed to be pronounced Heisei. <laughs> He's a stickler for getting the pronunciations right. Trust me, I know. My, you are not the only one who said it wrong, though. Trust me. My my apologies, Jimmy. I will I will try. Yeah, you uh, might have been inspired to do that because uh, because as I've been telling him, as I've been listening to your show, you enunciate like a Brit. So, <laughs> and it threw me off a little because you would say things like again instead of again and. Bean right. instead of Ben, then I'm like, why the heck is he? Oh, he's from Canada. <laughs> he's not a dirty, dirty American like the two of us. I get it now. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that, that, this is what happens I'll, when you're a podcaster and you spend a lot of time listening to podcasts and editing your own work. You pick up on people's speech patterns and their verbal tics and quirks. <laughs> Well, it's it's for me also just just to go down this rabbit hole a little bit. I will go my whole life having read something uh, and thinking I know the pronunciation of it just based on reading it, and then you'll hear it out loud and you're like, "Whoa, what? That's what it sounds like." Yeah. Um, or, <laughs> but or I, I I don't have a whole lot of room to talk. I'm from the I'm from Indiana. You know, I am born and bred Midwestern American. So. <laughs> Well, yeah, I, Jimmy's from I, I New York, Jim- so <laughs> <laughs> I, I do get Jimmy's impulse because whenever I throw on Batman Begins, as much as I love that movie, as soon as they say Raz Al Ghul, I'm like, it's race. Stop it. <laughs> okay. Okay. In their defense, nobody knows how to say that right. <laughs> I've heard three different pronunciations. <laughs> and I can't and no one knows which one is the right one. I've heard Rachel Ghoul, Razal Ghoul. Uh there was a third one that I've ever seen a video about. Nobody knows how to say his dang name right. <laughs> if when in doubt, go with the pronunciation from Batman the Animated Series. Which I think or, was Raz Al Ghul. Oh, no, and uh, there, I've also heard Raz Al Ghul. I mean, uh, that one's less common, but still. Raz no one can agree on it, so... <laughs> Personally, I think Raish makes a little bit more sense as it's supposed to be Arabic, but you know, I'm no expert on Arabic, so... It yeah, sounds a little bit more are... throaty, you know? Oh, not not throaty, nasally. You know, like, reish. You know, 
They, oh my god! <laughs> feel free to cut this if you want. I don't care. Uh, oh no, no, it's fine. This is, dude. This is the kind of thing that we do. Um, yeah, okay, so, I, just to remind yeah, everybody, right. <laughs> even though I run a kaiju show, that is not the only thing I geek out over. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, man. I will, I will geek out over so many things. Um, all right, so camera, camera, camera. Yeah, the so original I, I, Ninja Turtle. <laughs> <laughs> you just did an episode on the Ninja Turtles. I had to bring that up. <laughs> nice, nice. Oh, oh, just slap a mask on him. Give him a belt with a G. <laughs> <laughs> He's a Ninja I, Turtle. I, I, I think, oh, man. The Ninja Turtles would be screwed. <laughs> no, he up. wouldn't fight the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> He'd be teaming up with the Ninja Turtles. What are you talking about? <laughs> Ninja Turtles will they, love him. The Ninja Turtles will love him. They they'd love him, but they'd go to they'd go to attack the foot soldiers and he accidentally just knock a building over on him. No, <laughs> no, 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 the, the the four Ninja Turtles would fight the foot soldiers and Gamera would fight the Technodrome. That's that's how they parse out the you know the true, the, true. Well, the the assignments. They're really like you know they they all look up. It's like Gamera, you get the Technodrome. <laughs> We're fighting the foot soldiers. <laughs> we'll fight Shredder. You fight the Technodrome. I would pay just to see that. Away, I would I would pay. Make someone make that happen. I want oh to see God. that now. Yeah, no, Give me no. some insane fan art. I want to see Gamera fighting the Technodrome <laughs> with the turtles in the foreground fighting Krang and Shredder with foot soldiers. Be, that would be amazing. That'd be amazing. That'd be amazing. Put, like I said, put a little mask on Gamera and everything so he's like a full-fledged Ninja oh Turtle. That would be amazing. Yes. <laughs> that that would be the, the, the non- uh, I say, I, I butchered it. <laughs> hey, say, <laughs> non hey, say version Gamera that that I would accept because at this point uh, I love those the the trilogy version of Gamera so much that I'm like, all right, I got to remember if I yeah. if and when I ch- when I check out the Brave to know this ain't it. Um, uh, I will tell you, okay, film. Okay, I will tell you. This, you know, preparing to be on this episode was interesting because I'm like, hmm, watch the Gamera Trilogy, three of the best kaiju movies ever made. So good that they transcend the genre. Wow, I like I oh, need an excuse fantastic. to do that. And <laughs> uh, this is actually a little bit of a warm up because for me, because the, you know, there are no Gamera movies on the docket for this, the upcoming season of the Monster mm-hmm. Island Film Vault, but I am putting proposals together to submit to the board of directors because they have to approve everything that I do. I am including this trilogy in my proposal for next season, and I am praying nice. that they approve it because I will fight them tooth and claw. <laughs> Saber tooth <laughs> and claw <laughs> to cover this trilogy because it is that important in my mind. Outside of that, oh, if I can avoid the Showa Gamera movies, unless it's the MST3K episodes, I will gladly do it. The Brave is actually kind of a distant fourth to the Heisei trilogy. I would say if you you know had if you actually ranked this trilogy, you know, uh, the the Brave yeah, is a distant I've fourth. Heard. It's a the Brave is essentially a Showa Gamera movie except good. <laughs> <laughs> 
because it has a lot more of the tropes of a Showa Gamera movie because it has a kid as the protagonist, but he's not Back obnoxious. He's a very no, he's not an obnoxious little kid. He's a likable little oh, kid. Okay, good. It has a lot of charm to it. It's a kids movie, but it has genuine charm. And if you hate it, you have no soul. I have concluded that <laughs> it's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but if you hate it, you have no soul. See, Jimmy agrees with me. <laughs> That's two to your possible one. <laughs> I, I haven't watched it yet. I, I do want to watch it. Um, and I will. It's just at right now I'm in a big star Wars kick. But yeah. then also <laughs> I, I loved the 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 trilogy so much that I'm like, oh, that right now that's my first and final impression of Gamera. Yeah, well, and you and I, I are wanna, in a similar I boat. I don't know if I want it colored. Yeah, you're you and I are in a similar boat. I would see. I I unfortunately I didn't grow up with cable, so I never saw the MST3K episodes with Gamera because there were five of them, and I would see Gamera movies sitting on the shelf at Blockbuster. Yes, I am that old. Shut up. <laughs> oh, I, we're, 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 we're in a similar boat, man. Yeah. I would see them on the shelf, we're there, homie. <laughs> but for some odd reason, despite the fact that I was getting into Godzilla at the time, I had, I didn't really have much interest in watching them. And then I started hearing about guardian of the universe when it had its limited theatrical run here in the United States. Thank you, Siskel and Ebert. And it piqued my interest <laughs> I wasn't able to see it in a theater because it never played anywhere in Indiana, as far as I knew. But I managed to catch it when it came out on video. So my very first camera was Guardian of the Universe. So nice. to say that that set a high bar would be an understatement. And then when I started to do things like subscribe to G-Fan Magazine, I found out that Guardian of the Universe was the first of a trilogy and there were two others, but they hadn't been released here. And that the story I was getting for many, many years, because it took me a while the, to actually see the entire trilogy, I heard that all they did was get better as they went. And that the third one in particular was so good, it transcended the kaiju genre. And even people who don't like kaiju would watch that movie and would really like it. if They just liked fantasy movies. And so yeah. there was a lot of hype for me built up over multiple years about this trilogy. And I missed my opportunity because this trilogy has been released on DVD and Blu-ray twice now. Well, the first one was by ABV. Yeah. I missed those releases, unfortunately, for two and three. They went out of print for a long time. And then Mill Creek put them out on Blu-ray. And that's the set that I have as my personal copy. And now Arrow Video is including them in their massive box set that put the whole kaiju fandom into a tizzy. They were losing their minds. <laughs> one of the most, one of my most popular memes uh, for the podcast was themed around that because this arrow yeah, video yeah. set is making the criterion Godzilla set look like Minya by comparison. You could almost <laughs> say, I mean, it is, I, we, there is no Minya hate on this show. Just so everybody knows. We're nice to poor Minya. All right. 
all right, I'll agree. <laughs> but you know, but all that to, all that <laughs> being That's said, <laughs> you know, this uh, if you want to actually see it because the mill, I think the Mill Creek set when the Mill Creek set went out of print, print too. You know, get yourself your that Arrow set because it is totally worth, it, especially since they're giving this trilogy the star treatment on that set. It's supposed to be a lossless 4K transfer, or something like that, for all three of these movies. So, yeah, it's it looks like it's going to be outstanding, and I can't wait. I pre-ordered my set already, and hopefully it gets shipped out here to Monster Island, okay? If all else fails, I'll send one of Jimmy's drones to there you go. wherever it needs to go to bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's, yeah, I, I watched them earlier this year uh, for the first time. I had heard about them. Uh, the up from the depth reviews did did get my it, it it got my interest it planted a seed um, but I was still like for for a while my big monsters are are Godzilla and there's so many films uh, thirty I think it's about thirty five now yeah if you uh, count the anime trilogy as three separate movies I think it's thirty five now all right <laughs> i think i i i, I could be I off the, uh, if this was one of my if this was one of my episodes jimmy would either be correcting me right now or making a note to uh correct me in his follow-up <laughs> blog that's what he does now he managed to convince the board of directors to let him do follow-up blogs where he gets to riff on me and Correct me in my guess the week after. What he didn't realize was there was another clause in that part of the contract that said that if I say anything on the air for him to do for the blog, he has to do it. So, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. Take that, uh, Jimmy. Jimmy. Buddy, just hope, <laughs> just hope he doesn't just just hope he doesn't uh, get you to watch the first half of Turbo or <laughs> just. Uh, uh, Turbo <laughs> Power Rangers movie. I'm a little no, scared no, no. of that well, thing. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm meaning the season proper. The first one oh. is rough, man. <laughs> that shows see uh, that shows reputation precedes it. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, what no, I saw, no, I, I was. A, this is a complete rabbit trail, but I'm going to tell you. I remember when that was first airing. My interest in Power Rangers was a little bit short-lived, probably because I was right on the cusp of the target audience for it, and you know I outgrew it really fast. Although I've since then learned some things about the show that I think are actually really cool. In particular, Jason David Frank, aka Tommy, you know, being a yep. real MMA fighter and a Christian, which I think is super yep. cool. <laughs> yep. But the I could not wrap my head around how they had a 10-year-old kid as a ranger who would magically grow six inches when he morphed. I'm like, how does it, what is this, like, mini Shazam? Is that what this is? <laughs> I don't understand. How does this work? That is, that's definitely something they lifted from, uh, from Super Sentai, uh, from Die Ranger, which was the, which was the, uh, the season that Mighty Morphin season two was loosely based on. It's where they got the, uh, the white Ranger suit, the thunder zords, um, and some of the monster footage in that season, the white Ranger was a 10 year old boy. Uh, what? <laughs> when he morphed, he would get into the body of an adult. 
but he was a little bit more um uh, what's an unawkward way of putting it uh <laughs> he had some focuses that children around that age do because he's uh maybe not 10 maybe he's 12 so he's noticing things and focusing on certain body parts shall we say oh so boy glad to see they didn't <laughs> take that influence <laughs> Anyway, Gamera. (laughs) Gamera, (laughs) because that's what we're talking about. Um, Yeah, so I finally sat down to watch the movies just because I just finished watching the uh, the 54 original Gojira and then Shin Godzilla um, and a couple of the other high-state films because I did – Hey, say, sorry. <laughs> yeah, You're going to be very self-conscious for the rest of this I'm podcast. Gonna be, well, I, I, I just don't want to piss off Jimmy. Judging by the look on his face, I think he gave up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Uh, it'll be an extra large poutine next time I come down. I'm sorry. He's just all I, I just see him sitting there with his uh, earphones in. He's just shaking his head. He's just like I give up. Man. <laughs> I give up. I say every episode. I can't words, man. You, just, you gotta roll with this. <laughs> um, oh my gosh. So anyway, it, it was in that where where I was like, I'm really digging some of the the serious stuff that you can do with with the kaiju film genre, but also I, I do like some of the, the fantastical, um, even around that time I was watching, um, uh, Godzilla and Mothra where Batra showed up and Batra was just super gangster. Um, <laughs> and then it's like, okay, you know what? I'm going to, I am going to, yeah. Jimmy uh, totally agrees with you about Batra because he's into gangster rap. So <laughs> he knows what yeah, you're talking uh, well, about. Oh, Jimmy and I have talked. We talked Wu Tang Clan over Twitter the other day, and I was like, "Yep, Jimmy knows what's up." Yep. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Batra, um, which leads yeah, to no, so ap- uh, apparently leads to Gamera. So, <laughs> well, yeah, no, well, it was it's the thing of something looking. Uh, even Batra in that movie has a good mission, although he's harsh because um, <laughs> it's like I'll protect the world, but I don't give a crap about humans, and that yeah. reminded me of something that people have said about especially the third Gamera film in the trilogy, yes. um, which I love that intro. And that, that look is my favorite. So I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to sit down and watch these. And the problem was the versions I could watch at that time were the dubs. Oh, I got, I, oh. not, man. I, I, got, I, 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 I hurt. It. I hurt for you. Right now, I got. It's like got it's maybe, like that pain has traveled through space and time, oh yeah. and is now hitting me right now. I, ow! I got like, <laughs> the dubs got for those maybe, things are not great. <laughs> oh no! I got I got like. <sighs> it's interesting because this has come up with with Beck. Like you get the old Godzilla films, or even some of the high stay ones. When you got the dubs, like they're bad. But it, there, there's a, at least a little bit of a weird charm to it because the words come in like 30, not 30 seconds, but like a good two to three seconds after the person says it. Yeah, and you can thank the, those the and martial arts movies tone. for creating the stereotype that dubbed exactly. Asian that dubbed Asian films have horrible dubbing. Yeah, but even but with them, it's like either the 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 actor's face would not match the the tone or it would be just something ridiculous. Yeah. But with the Gamera dub, it was it was pretty close to matching, but it was just the characterization they were having the actors act was 
so bad, especially the inspector guy who I dug a lot more in the, the, the original that you could watch with subtitles. Yes. <laughs> so I got like 40 minutes in and I was like, okay, I see the technical stuff about this, but this is, this is rough. I can't do yeah. this. So I gave up. I'm, <laughs> I'm guessing about, I'm, I'm not 100% sure. Probably should have researched this. You know, I didn't know you were going to bring up the dubs, <laughs> but in all oh. likelihood, what it probably was yeah, was Toho commissioned a studio in Hong Kong to do the international dubs on the cheap. Well, not Toho, probably was Daie, although Toho distributed these movies, which is why it's a little yeah. odd. But the Toho, I'm guessing they probably did the same thing. The they had it dubbed in Hong Kong. They would do it on the cheap, and they would just grab whoever they could to do it with. Whereas with a lot of the Showa Godzilla films, those were being dubbed, particularly the ones from the sixties were being dubbed by people like AIP or Titra or something like that. And the dubs sound much better, much better. Yeah. They actually took more care, not only with the translations, but with the actual acting. So they were substantially better, but then by the seventies, they weren't that wasn't happening a whole lot anymore so the dubs that you get for 70s Godzilla movies were most likely made in Hong Kong which is why they're not great <laughs> and all the and all the Heisei movies were done for the Godzilla movies were done the same way and the Millennium movies were the same they just yeah it's kind of terrible yeah. although Godzilla 2000 did get dubbed by Sony itself in the United States well, so the dub for Godzilla 2000 is actually pretty good and that's a there you can get good dubs. Shin Godzilla's dub I think is good. Um it's weird just watching it is weird. Re because it was dubbed I by Funimation so and they used their cadre of anime actors. So it sounds weird to me because it's like they're still <laughs> dubbing an anime. I'm like Which, this is live action. These voices don't feel right. <laughs> like, but it, it, I think I think it lends itself to it though, just because even though I haven't seen um, Evangelion. I I know that some of the influence from the director and a writer and producer were there because they they worked on that and they worked on on Gamera or one of them did Shinji Aguchi. Um, Shinji Aguchi. There we go. Who Thank I have you. met. I, I met him at G Fest. I actually shared a picture with you that yeah. I, I took with him. He was the co-director on Shin Godzilla and he was the special effects director on this trilogy, which is why the effects are fantastic. Oh. Oh my you want to hear something yeah. mind-blowing? Yeah. These movies were made with half the budget of a Toho Godzilla film from the 90s. And they look Which 10 times better. Which is a lesson in friggin' filmmaking. <laughs> Yeah, the the genesis of the the genesis of this trilogy is absolutely fascinating because I've met the director as well, Shusuke Kanako, mm -hmm. who went on to do a Godzilla movie as well. Uh, yeah, Godzilla, Mothra, and King Ghidorah, giant monsters all out attack because <laughs> no one at Sony thought maybe we should shorten that title, but. <laughs> <laughs> But he he got his start actually doing dramas. And but he was a Godzilla fan. And he went to Toho right. and he said, I want to make a Godzilla movie. 
but he never got a chance to do it. And then I don't remember all of the details, but eventually the offer, he got offered the chance. He didn't get a Godzilla movie. And then he got offered the chance to do Gamera by Daye. And he thought, really? Yeah. I don't like the old Gamera movies. They're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> essentially I'm paraphrasing but that's essentially what it, he didn't like him he thought the old gamma movies were silly and he didn't like them so he's like okay fine but you're gonna let me eventually it got to the point where he told him if I'm doing this I'm doing what I want because originally they yeah. wanted that when they they're like we want to reboot this but we want to make it like the old movies we want it to be comical we want it to be for kids and he said no I'm not doing that and he won out and he got to make the movie he wanted and I'm telling you, I think Toho noticed because this move, this the first one, Guardian of the Universe, came out just a few months after Space Godzilla. And I think Toho, the guys at Toho watched it and they thought, crap, we need to up our game a little bit, which is why the effects in Destroya look a little bit better. <laughs> but it still doesn't come anywhere close. I no. Yeah, yo, here for some people, I I call this a hot take, even though there are people like Jimmy who would tell me that this is about as hot a take as Mister Freeze. <laughs> but for the four years that these movies were coming out, this trilogy was coming out, and there were no Godzilla movies other than Destroya, you know, in 1995, mm -hmm. because both Guardian Universe and Destroya were 1995. Gamera was the king of the monsters, as far as I care. He took the crown from Godzilla. The guy who, in the 60s, was started by Dai Studios because they wanted to cash in on the kaiju craze. They wanted their own little version of Godzilla. <laughs> but he was, in a, lot, in a lot of people's minds, a pale imitation Suddenly, Shusuke Kaneko shows up and says, let me show you how to do a gritty reboot right. <laughs> and he makes yep. Gamera king of the monsters. He makes Gamera the coolest kaiju around. Yep. <laughs> it is yeah. astonishing, and I love the irony of it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, it's, it's so interesting just because it's it, my thought behind it is I base it on nothing but it just wouldn't surprise me I think it's something we can all relate to where it was he wanted to do Godzilla they said no it's like okay okay I'm gonna I'm gonna do this better I'll show you what you're missing yes <laughs> it maybe lit that fire um where it's like I'm gonna do it I'm gonna do it with someone who you look at as a joke yes um because like what's interesting with Gamera gone on to learn through up from the depths and other YouTube channels is that up until the final one or two of the, the original show well run, um, they were, they were successful. I mean, it was, it was kid movie focused stuff. And the, it, I think you could make the argument. It definitely had an impact on Godzilla. Um, just with showing that audience like, Oh, Hey, we can, we can, any studio would be like, oh, hey, there's money to be made from there. Let's go for it as well. Um, but it's still, even though they were making money, let's, they they weren't causing a dent in anything to Godzilla. No. Um, and they were looked at as like, no, they're the inferior film. Um, 
but then taking that, taking someone who had had two borderline, if not full-on bombs, who had been on ice, who didn't like have the huge cultural impact that Godzilla did. Because even though Godzilla went out with terror of Mechagodzilla and then chilled for nine years, mm-hmm. it, it Gamera had a very different experience. Like even though terror went out, not with a whimper, but he it made the least. Yeah, it it's it technically it is fan. technically in terms of box office the least successful Godzilla film out there, which makes me sad. It's definitely it has gotten the appreciation it deserved since then. Yeah. And to be honest, it's actually one of Terror Back of Godzilla is actually one of my favorite Godzilla films, one of my favorite kaiju films. Although I will admit at least a small part of that is the nostalgia because that was my first Godzilla film. That's fair. That's fair. But even if I remove the nostalgia, there is a lot of things in that movie to appreciate. Oh, yeah. No, they stepped up their game with that one. But it it went out with a little bit of a whimper. Uh, But it's, it's not like it bombed financially and critically. Right? Yeah. So Godzilla, yeah. Godzilla well, uh, coming let's back just say if like, you want to compare final films from the show from their respective Showa series, <laughs> uh, Terror of Mechagodzilla is head and shoulders, knees and toes above Gamera Super Monster. <laughs> it hurts to even name that movie. I'm not even <laughs> sure it's a movie. I don't know what Super Monster Gamera is. Well, I don't think they know why. <laughs> I I have joked on numerous occasions that there are three questions that plague mankind and have for many, many years. One is, what is the meaning of life? Some would argue it's 42. Another one is, why do bad things happen to good people? And the lesser known but still important third one is, why does Gamera Super Monster exist? <laughs> and the only well, answer I've heard, uh, actually, my friends the at the Kaiju Apostle podcast actually tried to. I posted that on Twitter, and the they tried to answer it by saying "money, money, and money." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's the, I, I I'd have to agree with them. I was like, it's a it's a bad answer, but it seemed to be like, well. I I have this. Hey, we got this property that made money. Yeah, yeah. I've I've I have a lot of things I could say about Gamera Super Monster, but let's stay on this trilogy. But you know, so you have Shinji Yaguchi <laughs> doing the special effects. You have Shusuke Kaneko uh, in the director's chair, and, and I can't remember the screenwriter's name off of my off the top of my head. But he, the same screenwriter, wrote all three of these movies, and you know what he's actually really well known for? Anime. Interesting. In fact, he wrote the thing he's most well known for outside of this trilogy is he wrote the original Ghost in the Shell movie. Huh. Yeah. That's on my to watch list. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, it's fantastic. It's a classic of anime. You need to you owe it oh, to I've yourself. Heard. You owe it to yourself. Oh, it's I like will. that in Akira. Even if you end up not liking Akira, if you like anime, you should watch it once. <laughs> I saw it when I was in college, and once was enough. So <laughs> it's not a, it's not a movie I return to a lot, but I understand its significance. 
we've we've got there, there's a couple of those, but to varying reasons, like whether or not you revisit them. Uh, sometimes it's like yeah, Ghost eh. in the Shell. I would watch Ghost in the Shell. I would watch again. I'm not in the big rush to see yeah. uh, Akira again, but one <laughs> just because I'm going down this rabbit hole. One where I'm like, okay, it's it's a fantastic film, but I don't feel like my day being ruined is. <laughs> It's Schindler's List, where it's yeah, it's so amazingly yeah. made. My wife hadn't watched it, and then we were we were talking about it. She's like, "You make it sound so good." I was like, "Because it is." She's like, "Do you want to watch it?" I'm like, "Look, we're going to need to watch like four hours of Community afterwards, <laughs> just, <laughs> just to kind of recover, just just to feel some semblance of uh." Of happiness if we don't want to go to bed horrifically depressed like if you're down for that let's do it like but j- just that heads up <laughs> and yeah we watched about four episodes of community after we're like all right let's find the happiest most joyful episode <laughs> um uh, <laughs> sorry uh yeah jimmy it's uh community man it, it, it helps you feel good after a very upsetting movie. Yeah, for Great him, but it's uh, for him. It's Baby Yoda. Apparently, Baby Yoda can <laughs> cure his PTSD. I, I'm a little confused by that, but then I remember it's Baby, Baby Yoda. Yoda. <laughs> well, yeah, Baby Baby Yoda cures all. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's a cash cow that I will happily ride. <laughs> and like, yeah. you're like here, yeah. take my money. Yes, this is something I didn't know. I didn't know I needed. Yeah. Uh, but yeah so you have this very interesting creative team that came together and i really do think it was it was lightning in a bottle but it was lightning that got caught three times try to do that and this is one of the few the absolute few trilogies film trilogies i should say i can think of where each one gets better although yeah i do think and I don't care. Okay. The official U.S. title for Gamera 2 is Attack of Legion, which I think is silly. <laughs> uh, the original Japanese title is infinitely cooler. It's Advent of Legion. So as far as I care, it's Advent of Legion. Yeah, yeah. And it missteps in one department. The uh, The guy from Up From The Depths brought this up, and I totally agree with him. Advent of Legion is better in every regard from Guardian of the Universe except for the characters. The really? character the character work, in my opinion, is not as good in Legion. And then you get to Gamera 3 and everything's better. <laughs> it's just like... Oh my gosh. It just yeah. all explodes in awesomeness well, in Gamera 3. I, well, I was going to say, you, you, you took it uh, even a step further. Um when I was first thinking about it, I was like, this is one of the few trilogies that like you said, it actually gets better as it goes. But my initial thought was like, even, even most really good trilogies that people can cite, how rare is it that the third one is considered the best one? Yeah. It's incredibly rare. I know some people uh, say return of the Jedi is the best star Wars movie, but they're a minority. Yeah, no, the, no, the best I, of the original I trilogy, I should Jedi. say. Yeah, some people yeah, I've heard it, some people say it, Return of the Jedi is the best of the original trilogy. They're a minority most of the time. It's Empire, but that's the closest yeah, I can think it, of. 
the uh, you can point at the prequel trilogy and be like, "Revenge of the Sith." Revenge is of the, the Sith one. is definitely the best of that trilogy. But uh, <laughs> that's uh, that's not a that's not a compliment you should yeah. hang your hat on. Although, Although and then some people trilogy. some people would argue that and I'm, I'm thinking of more. Some people would say Last Crusade is the is the best Indiana Jones movie. It's either that or Raiders. And some people would say uh, yeah. that Back to the Future Part 3 could be the best of the Back to the Future movies. I tend to say huh. it's the first one followed by yeah. 3, but you know, we're not here to talk um, about any of those. No, no. <laughs> Although just for that Star Wars strain, I will quickly say I do think out of the sequel trilogy, Rise of Skywalker is the best one, but it also had an impossible job to do all the lifting of <laughs> the other two movies i'm gonna stop i'm sorry i I don't want to get into some you know i don't want to get into any controversy right now i want to stay focused on gamera because you know we'll talk star wars later (laughs) oh and don't don't get jimmy will get all will get all up in that right now i mean i I can already see him see he's seething a little bit in the producer booth right now You, you see that look at that the fact that you even brought up the the prequels, I think is I think he's he's twitching a little bit. <laughs> yes. He is uh, he is on, a buddy. stalwart we'll prequel this. hater. Stalwart. <laughs> I was I, I was, but Clone Wars went a long way and yeah. and fan cuts, fan cuts, yeah. anti chief yeah. But anyway, so yes, um, it's one of those rare camera. opportunities. Yeah, rare opportunities <laughs> where it gets better as it goes. And Which that's saying a lot. So I mean, surprising. these, oh, I, I cannot, I, there are only a handful of kaiju movies where I tell people, if you're not into this, you have to see these. Like if, if yeah. the proposal that I will be sending to the island's board of directors will be, I want to talk about this trilogy and I want to screen every single one of these to my entire core group of co-hosts. So if you listen to, <laughs> and by that, you, you, if you listen to episode two, which is King Kong 33, that is my core group. Those are the ones that I want to bring back as often as I can to show things. And I want all of them present for that because these movies are so good. They transcend the genre. I mean, King Kong 33 yep. is important just as an American movie. Ignore the yep. fact, ignore genre, ignore it completely and its influence on a gobs of things, but a, you know, in my in the case of my show, the kaiju genre. Ignore all of yep. that. It is just an important American movie. Period. And I feel the same way about this Gamera trilogy. It is so good especially when you get to 3 that I think everyone oh gosh, should yeah. see it. The only barrier I can see at that point is if you just don't like fantasy movies. If you don't like fantasy movies, you won't like it. But if you are like, you know, kaiju are silly, but I like fantasy films, you need to watch these because they are fantastic fantasy films. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. I am astonished. The, the, if we're just going to talk about, I mean, we, I would love to really get into the like the thematic meat of these movies because there's so much to talk about. But just in terms of production value, like I said, half the budget of a Heisei Godzilla film, it looks 10 times better. And I attribute that to Kane, uh, Kaneko's cinematography. He knows how to shoot these things and make them look oh, good. Yeah. You know, it, it, 
I don't know how he does it. And I think Higuchi is a big part of this too because he did the special effects. They make the suits and the miniatures look great, but then they find a way to shoot it so that it feels authentic. One of the distinctive features of the cinematography in these films that you start to see emulate. The Showa Godzilla films would do this to a, you know, would do this to some extent, not as much as I, I, Kaneko, I think, really perfected it because you start seeing it in other things. You know, this style of filmmaking has not really gone away when it comes to kaiju. He filmed them at low angles. He would put the camera into the miniatures and he would have stuff in the foreground, buildings or something in the foreground when you're looking at the monster. So it really felt like you were on the street and you were seeing these things. And it really, it, you know, it engrosses you. It puts the audience in that world, in that, and puts you in the right perspective. You should be looking up at these things. You, you there should the be. They're so huge. There, it really communicates the scale. And then combine that with fantastic looking suits, fantastic looking miniatures, great performances from the suit actors. Heck. Uh, Guardian of the Universe is notable because Super Gauss, the big Gauss at the end of the movie, mm-hmm. was the first kaiju ever played by a woman. I didn't know that. That's yeah, I, I looked up her name. The Her name was, uh, and I pardon me if I say the name wrong, it is Yumi Kaneyama. Yeah. She did a great job. Yeah. Uh, I can only think <laughs> of one other kaiju movie that had a female suit actor. And interestingly, it was GMK, also directed by Kaneko. Baragon was played by a woman in that. And if you ever see video of her, like B-roll footage of her playing Baragon, it is delightful. (laughs) 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 Absolutely delightful. (laughs) But I'll definitely definitely have to look that up. But the thing is, is not only is the monster stuff great, the, you know, the mythology behind this movie is fantastic. It is in, it is very well thought out. The world building is fantastic. And so the universe that it takes place in is great. But the other thing that really you know elevates it is the story and the characters are amazing. This is a testament to why good characters are important in kaiju movies. And every single time I hear people... <laughs> Talk about how, yeah, I don't want humans in my kaiju movie. I just want to see the monster. Shut up! (laughs) The writer in me just gets angry. I'm like, I am not so much of a fanboy that a movie of nothing but monsters is going to hold my attention. I will get bored. I don't care how fantastic all that kaiju stuff is. I will get bored. I want good characters. I want an interesting story. This gives it to me. This, in many ways, is what the Heisei Godzilla series should have been. It had the potential to be this, and it wasn't this. The guy from, I think the, I don't remember if the Up From the Depths guy brought this up or not, but you have, and you and I have talked a little bit about this in reference to Star Wars, how there's a contingent in the Star Wars fandom and kind of just in geek fandom in general where they freak out over female characters being in it because they want to read agendas into it. Yeah. If you want to look at this Gamera trilogy, 
we the mo uh, you know most of the important characters in this trilogy, interestingly enough, are women. And at no point yeah. am I thinking about whether or not they're Mary Sue's or you know perfect little girls or whatever. They are just allowed to be good characters in a good story. They are not bogged down by any of this, and it is amazing. I never yeah, think no, about that. All I got is like, just give me good characters. Percent. I don't care what their gender or their ethnicity. I don't care about any of those details. Just give me characters, good characters. And that's yep. what this gives me. In fact, you want another mind blowing fact. I don't know if you knew this. I need to scroll through my notes to find her name. because <laughs> I am awful. <laughs> Uh, and I over-prepare for everything, hence why <laughs> Jimmy has to write blogs after every episode. But a soggy in these movies, you know, the the girl who is essentially Gamera's priestess? Yes, there we go. She is played by Steven Seagal's daughter. What? Yes. Wow. I dare you to look at a picture of her now and not see the family resemblance. Yeah, Ayako Fujitani. <laughs> Ayako Fujitani. She is the daughter of Steven Seagal because Steven Seagal's first wife was Japanese. Oh my goodness! I gotta look that up. Yeah, I can't right now, but I gotta look that up. <laughs> and let's, but let's be honest, she's a better actor than her dad. <laughs> yeah, well, I was gonna say, yeah, no, uh, she, uh, she inherited maybe the charisma, but got the acting muscle a lot more developed. She might not have gotten the roundhouse kicks, but she got the acting chops. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I agree with everything you said. Um, these, there, there's so much to dive into with these three. And which is why I, I've got, I can't wait to do it on my show, man. Yeah. Oh, oh, man, uh, my no, show I, is I known for doing deep dives into every single movie. Even if you may well, not necessarily a... want a deep dive. I mean, I just, my latest episode as of this recording is with our friend Bex for Rebirth of yep. Mothra. That episode is two hours and 15 <laughs> minutes. I'm guessing most people didn't think I need a two and a, a two hours and 15 minute deep dive into Rebirth of Mothra. Well, you're getting it anyway. <laughs> there you go. Well, it's, it, I'm excited for that just because. I when whenever I do deep dive on my show, it's hey I'm gonna maybe go for two maybe a little more hours. Uh, the goal is like an hour and a half to two hours, but it's gonna be basically about a whole franchise. So I give you more details than most of the people who listen to my show have those details. But in comparison to your show, I'm like mine mine's a micro dive. you go into the kiddie pool you know it's 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 really wide but it's a foot deep right i guess well yeah it's like here here, here's i'm I'm giving you that starter that that little bit to to whet your appetite and then it's like all right now that you're you're hungry for more this is where you go yeah (laughs) and Um, i i will tell you i have a lot of friends in the the kaiju podcasting world and and i don't know because my first podcast kaiju vision radio we did deep dives it's where i I learned a lot about how to do my podcast now from being on that show and 
I'm kind of wondering if, I don't know if it was because of that show or if this was, this is just a general trend with the fandom, but there are more people wanting to do deep dives and understand these movies, not only as fans, as American fans, but to understand them in their original context, which is a yeah, one of the my one of the pillars of my show's philosophy. You know, Jimmy and I spend a lot of time talking about this, but we're about film appreciation. We're not a review show. We're a film appreciation. We're about having discussions about the films and not assigning mm-hmm. a rating to them. There are plenty of podcasts that do that. I want to learn things about these movies and use them as a way to talk about history and culture, whether it's the his- my own country's history and culture. You know, I've gone through all of the King Kong movies. Mm-hmm. You know, there would be some people say, well, why would you want to do that? You know, why do you want to talk about King Kong 33 and then have a whole segment dedicated to the depression? Doesn't everybody know that? I'm going to tell you right now, they don't. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> there are people who don't know the history of their own country. And that's the thing oh, that you have absolutely. to keep in mind when you're looking at classic films or foreign films. And it's doubly true when you're looking at classic foreign films. Oh, my gosh, yeah. You as an American, or in your case, a Canadian, you know, you crazy Canuck. <laughs> that's not a slur or anything in, in Canada, is it? You didn't it? have to get <laughs> What? You could have said you as a North American. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't have to get all attacky. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was just wondering, like, is Canuck a, a slur or something? But, you know, you have a hockey I'm team not, called I'm the Canucks. Not sure, but it, but it can be, but we do have the Vancouver Canucks. Right? Yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> moving on. You can edit that out if you want. But, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> all that to, uh, you know, I, I, I I riff, I riff because I love. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no, no. no but anyway. <laughs> but we are removed from these films. You know, if if it's yep. a classic American film, we're removed because we're not the original audience. We are not the 1933 audience that would watch King Kong, the you know, Godzilla 1954. We are not a, the, the 1954 Japanese audience. There, there is a barrier between us because we are not the intended audience. So I think a lot of people. Yep miss a lot of things because they're looking at it through their own cultural standpoint and they're not understanding these movies as they were originally intended. And absolutely. So one of the things that I try to do with my show is to break those barriers is to try to break some of those barriers down. You can't break them all. It's impossible. There is no way that I, as a modern day American, even living here on Ogasawara and working here too, you know, I, you know, it's technically part of Japan. I mean, and I have plenty of Japanese coworkers, but I can never be that 1954 Japanese audience. I can't, but I can learn things no. that can help put things into perspective, but I can still you know, never quite get there. I'm still always going to be yeah. a little bit of an outsider, which is fine. Yeah. But, you know, but you can pull the curtain back a little bit farther with all that you can learn. If that makes sense. Absolutely. Oh, no, it, it does. I think I think why we're there now is just with how we consume media has changed. Because even to point at a kaiju film, up until the early 2000s, uh, the original 
Godzilla with all its deep meaning that had been lost in the in the King of the Monsters cut. Uh, that's all they had. But yeah. then when it got released, uh, suddenly there was a new audience to it, right? And now we live in a now how we consume media. We binge, we podcast, we go to YouTube series. Um, now it's like I can I can have access to this information even if it's not firsthand. Somebody else who has dived into this, the Wikipedia's or the uh, <laughs> Wikizillas or Gojipedias or like it's just it's there. So now you don't if you have that interest, you can pursue it. And I, I dig that a lot. Like I, I had the Star Wars fandom uh, when I was a kid. So I had the EU. And mm-hmm. You can just you can you can go you can go deep. And I, I like that a lot. But it, I also like that you can choose to do it. But there's times where I'm like, nah, man, I, I'm just here for the, the, the French fries. I'm not here <laughs> for the steak. But then other times I'm like, yo, give me five steaks. Like I am here to dine and learn <laughs> about if I'm going with the steak analogy that I'm here to learn, maybe I shouldn't eat my yeah. steaks, but yeah. the, I'm going to try it. If we're, if we're going to use the, <laughs> uh, the food analogy here, I would say most of the, like say the show of Gamera movies, eh, that's probably candy. <laughs> a lot of really sugary candy. You it's know, even- <laughs> they they might be fun in the moment. You'll get a little bit of a buzz from yeah. it, but it you know it's not good for you. This trilogy, well- <laughs> oh my gosh, it's five star dining by comparison. <laughs> well, I, I, oh yeah, I was gonna say to go with to go with a food analogy. It might be, and don't get me wrong, I like McDonald's, but. I know if I'm going to McDonald's and I'm dropping two dollars and fifty cents on a double cheeseburger, <laughs> which in which would not, be more like uh, which would be more like fifty cents in the United States. But <laughs> yeah, uh, when I was going down to a conference there, I saw you could get two uh, like fifty McNuggets for five bucks. I looked at my buddy and I'm like, we can get a hundred McNuggets for ten bucks. That should be an option. <laughs> we almost did it. But <laughs> But uh, like my point is, I know I know when I go there and I drop two dollars and fifty cents or seventy five in the case of the US, like uh, on a burger, I know what I'm getting. I'm going to enjoy it for that, but I can't then get mad and be like, "Hey, this doesn't taste like the twenty five dollar burger from Works Burger or yeah. Burgers Priest that melts my, in my mouth and is amazing and delicious." Yeah, but my apologies to all of your Canadian listeners for being the dirty, dirty American making Canada jokes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't uh, uh, I do into the weeds and uh, and Christian's working through some of his aggression. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, again, it's okay. uh, again, I riff because I love. <laughs> I have nothing. Against, I have nothing against Canadians. Oh no, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but no, but yeah. Um, so that's th- this is such a fine trilogy, and I, I mean, like I said, I can't, oh gosh, I, yeah. I can't wait. I can't wait. I mean, you were telling me because I was asking, I was like, what exactly do you want to talk about with these movies? And you said, oh, let's get into the you know the themes and the spirit and the you know and the the spiritual elements and all that. My gosh, dude! It was it was a little difficult to rewatch these and only take notes on the thematic stuff, and because I'm like, there's so much I want to talk about. There's so much I want to talk. About. You know, I was just freaking out. Well, and even you know, with some and, of and, stuff. and like I'll tell, wait, 
you get sorry, the gamma a three. Oh my gosh. I'm like, there's like, I'm having to pause the movie every five yeah. minutes to write out yeah. you know, thematic stuff because it's, oh my gosh, the third one is so thematically rich. I actually feel well, like it, the third one, you want to talk about cultural barriers. I feel like the third one, even though it's the best, I think it might be the least accessible to a non-Japanese audience because there is so much Eastern mythology in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's so much that the first time when I watched that, I thought I had no idea that that was actual Eastern mythology. I thought it was all fantasy stuff that was just being made up. Yeah. No, it's actual Eastern mythology that was being adapted to the story of this movie. Yeah. And it adds so many layers to it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And you know, well, it's just, Oh my gosh. <laughs> Uh, so let's try, let's were, see, let's try going sorry. through this like one movie at a time. Cause that's how my, that's how my <laughs> notes are arranged. So the first note I have oh, yeah, on absolutely. here, first note I have on here. And I think afterward, I need to introduce you to Reverend Mifune, who is the monster yeah. Island chaplain. I think you two would get along quite well. In fact, well, I, I, I told him about your show and I think he started listening. So the, <laughs> He's, well, he, he's he sounded like an interesting chap as you were describing uh, him to Beck. So I was like, okay, I kind of want, yes. kind of want to meet this gentleman. <laughs> yeah, he he's not related to Toshiro Mifune, but Toshiro Mifune is his favorite actor. So <laughs> there we go. And he's you know one of those rare Japanese Christians. So that's kind of a big deal. So <laughs> oh yeah. So oh, anyway, yeah. the first thing I have on here is just a little point for us to talk about a little bit is Gamera yeah. comes from the sea, like. A yep. lot of kaiju, because Japan is an island nation. The ocean is a huge yep. part of Japanese culture. Because, and I, I can't take full credit for this. I have to give the a shout-out to the Kaiju Apostle a little bit about this, because they brought this up, actually, in one of their episodes for an unrelated movie. But the ocean, it traditionally, in pretty much all cultures, especially the you know cultures like uh, like say England you know island nation a lot of seafaring cultures the the ocean represents the unknown it represents chaos and that is actually imagery that you'll see in the psalms in particular it's used in the bible a lot they talk about how the sea is the unknown and it's chaotic and it's unknowable but god is in command of all of it yep <laughs> and so in this case you, you know, like I said, Gamera comes from the sea, and a lot of kaiju come from the sea because it's representative of that. This vast unknown, this chaos, and they come out of that. Yeah. No, no. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I'm replaying the beginning in my head, actually. <laughs> Gamera showing up. And I'm also thinking of how that lends itself to the other, uh, the, the other main franchise where Godzilla always emerges from the sea. Yeah, well, and it's, it's not just where them. he emerged on land. Yeah, but the thing is, it's not just them. Why do you think sea monsters are such oh, a yeah. common thing throughout? Oh, yeah. You know, the, the folklore and mythology of, you know, for most of civilization, I mean, that's because <laughs> that's what the ocean well, was. Oh, yeah. And heck, we're all still terrified of the ocean. We've seen yeah. Jaws enough times. Well, yeah, but the it's it, there's a little bit of a Lovecraftian, I think, fear of that yeah. because it's so huge. You feel small. Oh, yeah. By comparison. Well, we feel small. It's huge. We know not everything in there has been found. 
Yeah. So there's room for that fantastical thing, which you'd be like, no monster could just show up on land or it, it would take a lot of explanation. You could write it off. Yeah. But if, if it's coming from the sea, you could be like, all right, I can buy this. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. And then uh, unless you have some more to say about that, I, my, I, I can go to my next point. <laughs> sure. Sure. Please. Okay. My next talking point. <laughs> Atlantis. This one actually kind of applies to all three of the movies, but I yeah. I did some digging a little bit on Atlantis because Atlantis is something that we've all heard. It pervades oh, yeah. culture and history, yeah. and there's a lot of pop culture references to Atlantis. You know, Aquaman, uh, Namor, of <laughs> uh, uh, Stargate. Stargate had Atlantis. You know, it's oh, all yeah. over the yeah. place. It's this it's this ubiquitous thing, and in this. Yeah, it's- the origin of Gamera is that he was built by Atlantis. He was created by Atlantis because they made the Gauss in the first movie. The Gauss, if I remember correctly, I think the Gauss were a bioweapon of some kind, and then they got out of hand, so the Atlanteans made Gamera to deal with the Gauss. I think that's, yeah, no, you're... could be misremembering that. Jimmy can yell at me later there, about there, it. There's but. something. There's something else I'm thinking about, but I've also it, it could just be getting tied up into some of the other stuff I've been listening to a lot. Yeah, um, yeah. So, uh, I, but I definitely think. But what's interesting about that is that them, but then yeah. But what's yeah. interesting is they built Gamera to do this, but they, they not built. They created Gamera to do this, but it was too late. Their civilization yeah. fell thanks to the Gauss. So yeah, yep, and. I and find that interesting. They so they were so undone by their own third. hubris. Is really what it was. That yep. is a story of hubris. And I actually looked into it. Again, I would have, you know, I don't have all the details here, but that actually is pretty much the story of Atlantis, even in mythology. The I found out that Atlantis actually first appears in the writings of Plato, and it was a naval power that besieges Athens. And then the Athenians repel them, unlike the rest of the world. Like, they took out every other country and city that they went after, but the Athenians beat them. And then Atlantis loses favor with the gods and sinks as a result. I, I had no idea about that. Yeah. Because um. <laughs> I just had to look at this. Like, we, we talk about Atlantis a lot in this trilogy. So I looked at it. So they, they had took yeah. that story and adapted it. It's still another story of hubris. Yeah. And I find that fascinating. Which, oh yeah, no, it that added such a cool layer, especially as they keep going to that well, especially in the third. Yeah. Um where it's it's not just like, okay, it's a monster and then here's this other monster here to save the day. It like there's still the, that part, but there's there's added depth to it. Um that they keep going to the well and adding to uh which again is one of the testaments to strength out of these movies. Um, Cause it's not even like they wrecked it so many times in trilogies or other movies where it's like, Hey, we give you the origin, but then here's this part you didn't know that's a borderline retcon where it's like, this feels organic. Like it was planned from the get go. Yeah. Um, I know I'm jumping ahead to the third, so I'm going to try. <laughs> well, not to. and you know, we can develop, uh, we can talk about that because we're talking about Atlantis because you find out in the third one, they expand on that idea and you find out that, the Gamera we see was yeah. just the latest one. They tried 
multiple times. Oh, they, I think they even called them betas. You know, even that, yeah, they because did. they that the beginning scene. of that movie is they find they call it a Gamera graveyard. So there's all of these desiccated oh, Gamera bodies, and you find I out later that what it was was the Atlanteans it. had to try multiple times to make a Gamera that worked, and they discarded all the rest scene. of them until they got the Gamera that they thought that worked, but it was too late for them. I just find it yeah. interesting. So it's the, they make the Gauss in their hubris, and then they try to fix their own problem, and it's too late. Yeah. And it, that, it's a classic story. It is a classic story yeah. of you know the, the tragic hero. You know? Yeah. In this case, it's being applied. It's, it's the backstory for an entire civilization. But let's be honest. It's that is a universal theme. We all understand that. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's one that lends itself, especially when you're getting to the add, the add-ons of like the last of its kind. Um, when we got there, or you found out later, later in the movie, the beta testing part. But it's just kind of like that. Just adds so much to it, where it's okay. This it, it presumably had a people. And it's just trying, and it's doing what it was supposed to do, just too late for the yeah. originals. Yeah. Um, and what makes it yeah. interesting is you find out that the way that the Atlanteans made Gamera work is they put in, this was part of their mythology, although there is some non-mythological elements that go along with this. It's very Eastern. They there's apparently a, a an energy, not the force, but an energy <laughs> that is the the life force of the earth. It's called mana, not mana yeah. from heaven, mana. <laughs> and they infused it into Gamera to give him life. And he can, as we see in Gamera two, he can weaponize it if he has to. Yeah, but there's dire consequences for that. And the reason why the Gauss oh. keeps showing up is because they're showing up because the the Earth's mana is being depleted, and so and yep. it's being depleted because of the actions of mankind. <laughs> so yep. the idea in this trilogy is the Atlantis was undone by its hubris, and now humanity is going down a similar path, and they need yep. to stop. And they're suffering the consequences and, of it with the Gauss, and Gamera is still <laughs> trying to fix it, but it's too much. And, oh yeah. What's also interesting with that, and we can dive into it more when we get to third, is in the first two movies, what they they really do a great job with is the the link Gamera has to humanity. Uh, through the priestess and then in when we get to the second one when he does that uh the mana attack he loses that connection yeah and then we get to iris and gamera looks rugged uh, it's like yeah. it's a whole new suit but i love that suit but it also yeah. does symbolize they had two suits like for that one because they had nightmare gamera that appears yeah. for you know 10 seconds yeah the just the the fantastic part of that is he's lost his connection to humanity where he's still about 
saving the world, but especially in the first couple minutes, he's because he's gone off into the wilderness almost. He's lost that connection. Yeah, uh, he now doesn't care as much about like the the people aspect, mm-hmm. which. This trilogy never did the the friend of all children thing, but no, the closest that of... we get to that, you know, the as if MST3K popularized this term, the the Kenny, <laughs> yeah, the Kenny, you know, which is apply now applied to any kid character who appears in a kaiju movie, not just Gamera. And the closest we get to that is Asagi, but I think that was Kanako right. looking at that trope and thinking, how can I? take that idea, but approach it from a more mature, a more grown up perspective. And it was, let's make it a, let's make the Kenny a teenage girl. So it's still Which kind of a kid, but she's older, cool she's call. more mature. And yeah, you know, you can, and you can have that connection, but the connection makes sense as, expo- as opposed yeah. to it just being completely inexplicable <laughs> you know, well, in and, the original movies. And they did it so well with that, that other, other, kaiju films that have done stuff where monsters have had connections with with human characters it's few and far between that it, it works fully yeah. um or it's not uncomfortable and awkward yeah uh looking at you some kong films kong 76 man <laughs> Uh, yeah, nope, as Jimmy was... said on that episode, he can uh, he can attest to the uh, sliminess of the seventies. Um but this this it worked and it testament to the performer, the actress, uh, but also the writing where I was there wasn't any time where I was just like, wait, what? Yeah. They they did enough adding to it and then explaining it, especially as the films went on. Yeah. That you even as you're watching, you see her feeling Gamera, but then especially when we get to the third one, right at the start, you're like, oh man. Yeah, it's like, not a at that point it's not a direct connection. It. It's not a direct connection yeah. anymore by then. Because and uh, that's actually my next point that we'll get into, but that bead that she has, it shatters at the end of Gamera two. But so at that point she she still seems to have a connection with Gamera, but it's more intuitive, I guess you could say. It's more of a, I well, think he's going to do this, but I don't yeah. know for sure. So it's more like faith at that point. Yeah. She had this direct well, connection for a long time. She could feel Gamera. Exactly. She could hear what he's thinking. Then she loses that direct connection, and then it's more about faith. And yeah. that's actually yeah. kind of a fantastic idea. And it's my understanding you know i have you know even now here on monster island I still have a little bit of a limited understanding of this but my understanding is that the concept of faith is at least in terms of the japanese language is a very odd concept it's difficult to translate the you know, because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense not only within the japanese language but also within japanese culture as well right and so that I find that fascinating, and you know, it's I I was thinking about this watching the this trilogy in preparation for this. Asagi keeps getting called a priestess, but I actually thought, mm-hmm. you know, what might be a better way, a better term to describe what she does? Not so much priestess, more like prophetess. Let's be honest, Ooh. she's kind of like 
what is she doing? I mean, she's kind of like an Old Testament prophet, if you stop and think about it. What is she doing? She is putting forth what Gamera is doing, what Gamera has told her. She's telling everybody else what he's doing. The military, the SDF, all of them, they want to they kill him, even though he's trying to help them out. But they're not listening. They will not listen. They still perceive Gamera as a threat. What is she doing? She's telling everybody, no, this is what Gamera is doing. So she is putting forth. She's prophesying, I guess you could say, in a way. Well, I, I was going to say, she's uh, she's reminded me a bit of the apostles. Mm-hmm. Just, just basically to riff on, <laughs> riff on what you were saying, just, Oh, please do I that. Think, I bring that up. To, this is meant to be a, oh, know, yeah. a discussion no, no, no. starter. Um, oh, yeah. No, no. I just, I think she, I definitely think that's, that's accurate, especially again in the third one, um, where when we meet Gamera in that third one, he is, he has changed. He's a lot more rugged, the singular focus, um, where in other stuff, he, he, in the other two, he seemed to care more about, the widespread dis- destruction. He was a little more precise, but as Iris is growing and as the military is like, we got to take this down. Like everything else be danged. She's like, no, no, he is like, he is good. I know he is good. He still wants to save us. Like she's standing up for him. She's yeah. standing up for him, uh, at no worry for herself. Um, She's delivering. <laughs> she's not equating at all Gamera with Jesus, but the similarity of she is, even though there's a question about him and whether or not he's still good, she is very much like, no, he's he's here to save us. This is the evil. He will stop it. And then Gamera shows that in yeah. in Iris. Yeah. Um, you you so say they, you they say you really, don't want to equate Gamera with Jesus, but you know when we get to Gamera two, I think there are parallels to be drawn. <laughs> oh, they 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 lean on it. They oh, lean they on do, it. they do, Whether, they do. But they, speaking of my comfort level, yeah. <laughs> but speaking of that, my next point was actually you know the bead that she has. The subtitles that are available for this don't you if you pay attention to the Japanese being spoken, you'll hear it. But it just gets translated as comma-shaped bead. It's actually called a magatama, which you can hear in the Japanese. That is a very specific thing. I look. I look this up. They're jewels. They're said to they could be to date back all the way to about a one thousand BC in Japan, and they were originally decorative. But as time went on, they actually took on religious significance. Which explains a lot in this movie. <laughs> yeah. The, if you, yeah. I don't know if you heard episode 13 of my show where I talked about the three treasures. I talked a bit about the Makatama and some of these things. But there's a couple of books that are some of the earliest bits of Japanese history and mythology. They're called the Kojiki and the Nihon Shoki. And a lot of okay. what we know about Japanese mythology comes from that. The Makatama are actually mentioned in those books. In... Specifically, there's the myth of Susanu or Susano. I've heard it pronounced a couple of different ways. The storm god. He got 500 of okay. them from a jewel making deity, and then he gave them to his sister. You may know this name if you've played enough video games. Amaterasu. 
I don't know it. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, there was like there was a sort of popular game called Amaterasu. Uh, called. Oh, uh, uh, okay, okay. Uh, it wasn't called Amaterasu. That's the name of the character in it. It's a. Uh, uh, I'm blanking on it. I'm horrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shut up and stop agreeing with me when I say stuff like that. <laughs> It'll come to me randomly. I guarantee you. Oh, Okami. That's right. See, it did come to me uh, randomly. Okami. The game Okami. Character, the main character's name is uh, Amaterasu. Amaterasu was a sun goddess in Japanese mythology. And okay. So her brother, the storm god, gave her these makatama, and she bit them off, and then blew, and then blew them into the wind, and they created more deities. Huh. And then there's one famous story where Amaterasu shut herself in a cave, and because she's the sun goddess, by shutting herself up in the cave, it brought darkness to the world. So they hung Magatama in in a 500-branch tree, so it was 500 of them, I guess, to lure her out of her cave. Also, and this was what I talked about a bit more in that episode, have you ever heard of the three sacred treasures of Japan? No, I haven't. Okay, they're like the crown jewels, except crazy mythological. (laughs) Uh, And one of them is the Yasakani no Magatama, which is this very (laughs) important and sacred, you know, comma-shaped jewel that's been around for many, many centuries. The also... Noro priestesses in Okinawa wear necklaces made out of Magatama. You know, and if you listen, I did an episode of Kaiju Vision Radio where I talked about Noro priestesses because it's part of the native religion of Okinawa. Because at one point, before the mainland took them over, the Okinawa was part of its own kingdom and had their own culture and everything. So the fact that they have these in here, <laughs> the fact that they have that her connection to Gamera is through a Magatama. There's a lot of significance that I will tell you right now, just with the handful of notes I have, I still probably am only scratching the surface as to the full <laughs> meaning of all of it, to be honest. <laughs> they, uh, well, that's the thing like this, this trilogy did not shy away from heavy themes and diving deep. Yeah. Um, and throwing stuff in that I like a lot of it, some of this stuff as you're describing I was like I did not get that but it's not to the what works for the film is even if you don't get that it doesn't work against no the film it doesn't so the more you know the more it appeals like the more it's like oh mm-hmm. dang yeah but it's yeah. not to the detriment of no. somebody no and um, the I, I have this under guardian of the universe only because you know for what I understand Gamera, even back in the 60s, was inspired by this, but they really make it a thing, particularly when you get to the third movie. But the whole thing about the the four guardians, and one of them yeah, is the black yeah. tortoise, that is from yeah. Chinese mythology. It's derived from Chinese mythology. Yep. That is a real yep. thing. The first time I saw Gamera yep. 3, I was confused by it. I thought that was fantasy. No, it is actual Chinese mythology thing that seeped into Japan. So they, the actual black tortoise that they talk about as one of those four symbols, it's because they're constellations. He's called, that black tortoise is called Genbu in Japan. And it, you, 
you, huh. it's symbolized by a turtle entwined with a snake. And the right. that guardian is often also called the the black warrior, and it represents the north and winter because the four guardians are the four principal directions, which they talk about a bit more in the the third one. Right. Yeah. Because and they they use two of the guardians because Iris is loosely based on mm-hmm. one of the the bird the bird yeah um, yeah and they have a lot of significance. I'm kind of looking at this. You know, they're connected with the like I said, the principal directions. They're connected with colors. That's why it's the black tortoise. There's also a white tiger. Ooh, you know, some Power Ranger stuff there for you. <laughs> and uh, the azure dragon, the vermilion bird. The in China they're connected to the five elements: so wood, fire, earth, metal, and water. And you know, there's a lot of significance to them. <laughs> Sorry, as soon as anybody says the the elements, I'm automatically in the Avatar. The last Avatar, yeah. The <laughs> Except those are the like, that's right, the gotta, Greek understanding of the of the elements. Like, you know? Just gotta focus, focus on camera, focus. Yeah, on the <laughs> or the band. <laughs> there's also the band: earth, wind, and fire. Yeah. Nah, even then, I'm like, nope, I skipped Avatar. <laughs> yeah, go for it, man. I'm not surprised. <laughs> um, uh, but in Japan, what? these four guardians right. are so are supposed to be the the guardian spirits of Kyoto. Right. And the, the black tortoise protects the city to the north. In fact, there's a shrine, the Kenkun Shrine, in at the top of Mount... Again, forgive me if I say these wrongs. Uh, Mount... Funaoka in Kyoto is dedicated to the black tortoise. And this I thought was interesting. This was interesting. There's a Chinese God that has close connections to the black tortoise. I, 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 again, my pronunciation, the, I think it's <laughs> Zuan Wu, Zuan Wu. Then he had a turtle and a snake general. With him, he actually appears in Journey to the West, and but here's the thing, and I thought this was a relevant story. There's a few notes I have that tie with that, but for the sake of time, I'm just going to skip to what I think is the most interesting in connection to the movie. <laughs> uh, there are Chinese legends about Zhuan Wu, who was the king to the north, who, de- depending on the story, because there's a couple different ones, as usually happens with mythology, the stories get retold in different places, and you know, and all that. So they're a little different. This sounds a little bit gross, but I think it's relevant to, like I said, to these movies. One story says he removed his own intestines to have them replaced with divine ones so he could achieve enlightenment and divinity. Another story, another story. This one I think is actually a lot more interesting. (laughs) Another story says that he went to a river and washed the sin, the purged the sin in the river from his intestines. Washed them Ugh. in the river. And then the, you know, the, and then in the former story, the his old intestines became the tortoise and the snake. And in the other one, so I think this is more interesting, the dissolved sins were like a black ichor in the river and they formed into the tortoise and the snake. And then in both versions of the story, he subdues both of them because they go terrorizing the countryside, but he doesn't kill them because they showed remorse. And then they became his generals for all of his adventures. 
<laughs> yeah, it's insane. It's insane. But yeah. this is in connection to the whole bl- you know black tortoise that they yeah. bring up in this movie. So this, if I mean, they don't bring it up directly, but this is included in the baggage, I guess you could say. And I find the 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 one about him washing out, his, you know, purging his sins in the river, to be the most interesting one. Because what have we been talking about? Gamera was made as part of the hubris of Atlantis. He was made to deal with their hubris. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I just find it fascinating, you know, the idea of you know, if you want to look at it from a Christian perspective, this guy is trying to cleanse his own sin and then what happens is the sin collects and becomes a monster two monsters in fact that he must then contend with (laughs) which i think we can get that thing gets explored a bit in the third one oh Um, yeah the the one of the big themes in the third movie is consequences (laughs) yeah major major consequences Oh yeah, but I, um, I should have brought this up sorry. earlier. But I have this note in here: the you know the whole thing with the relationship that Asagi has with Gamera. Our friends over at Geek Devotions, as per my recommendation, because I told them they should do this, because <laughs> they said we're gonna we're gonna do a devotional during I Heart Japanese Monsters Month on Gamera, and I said, okay, which one are you doing? I said, oh, we're gonna do the original. Be like, no. Oh my god! You watch guard. You watch Guardian of the Universe. You watch Guardian of the Universe. I don't care what you have to do. You watch Guardian of the Universe. So they did their devotional on Guardian of the Universe. Yeah, and the the theme of their devotion with that, which surprised me, I was not expecting them to go in this direction. It was about suffering with Christ, and. Yeah, the I'm gonna. I watched it a little bit again just to get the Bible reference that they used. So remember what happens throughout this movie is Asagi has her connection with Gamera, but when Gamera gets hurt, she gets hurt. He gets cut on the. He gets cut on his face. She gets cut on her face. He gets. He gets. You know, Gauss uses her laser breath on his hand. Her hand bleeds. A lot. Right. <laughs> Gamera right. bleeds a lot in case you haven't noticed. Well, uh, I was going to say, like, the that's in theme with the shower ones because what I remember loosely about them, even though I haven't seen them, but based on Up From the Depths, yeah. they were the franchise that started adding gore. Oh, yeah. A bit. Like, they Godzilla, did. Godzilla it's, didn't really incre- do gore. Not until 1972. Fun fact the like, first monster Gamera? to ever, the, fun fact, the first monster to ever make. Godzilla bleed was Geigen. They're <laughs> yeah, still yeah, not no, getting along yeah. because of that. <laughs> I, I see that, and all I keep thinking of is uh, that scene in Iron Man two when the when Tony confronts Whiplash and he starts going on about if you could make gold bleed, and I keep thinking if you could make Godzilla bleed. <laughs> but anyway, the the verse that our friends at Geek Devotions used when they were talking about this was actually 1 Peter 4, 12, and 13. I'll read it for you. We'll get a little spiritual Thank here. You. It'll make Reverend Mafune very happy. 
Beloved, I'm reading from the NESB in case anyone cares. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that also at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exultation. Does that not describe Asagi and Guardian of the Universe? <laughs> Accurate. As the kids say, uh, no, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> would under would undercut the great sentiment that was just done. <laughs> Listen here, folks. Don't quote the the children <laughs> or the teens. The teens. The young ones. The young Gen ones, Z. Maybe. <laughs> the generation <laughs> under us. <laughs> um, no, no, that's that's so accurate. Um, Which, like I said, yeah. I mean, you, that I think that makes sense when you look at her development over the course of these three movies. She loses the direct connection, and then it's about faith with her. Oh yeah. Well, and that's something that. As as we're talking about this, I'm realizing with the three films, they they do get more towards the faith aspect, which is interesting. Just because when you when you look at them in isolation, the first one is I don't even want to say sci-fi or anything, but you could be like, okay, it's two monsters; they're up, they're of this world. Uh, the second film, it's something from space so oh my a little gosh. bit more sci-fi-ish oh my but gosh then the third legion is man legion is demon. oh, oh yeah legion oh, no, no, is no. a fantastic let's just dive into that right now let's just go to yeah no let's i don't well, again i was gonna say advent of legion jump. it should be advent of legion yeah. because it makes so much more sense with the themes that it's playing around <laughs> with. so much more sense because what is advent it is the appearing that's what, if I remember correctly, yep. that's what Advent means. So when we celebrate Advent at Christmas, it is the appearing, the coming. And, but so not only do you have that language, that word that denotes that, the monster in that gets its name from the Bible. They oh, yeah. quote it. They quote yep. it directly. Specifically, they use Mark 5, 9. So we're talking about... The Garrison Demoniac, which is in all of the... I don't know if you're familiar with this term. I went to a, you know, a Christian university, so I had to take Bible and theology classes you're, to you're graduate. You're about to drop Synoptic gospel, Gospels. Yes, Synoptic Gospels. Because it is... It is a, you, you done saw it coming. Uh, the Synoptic Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. <laughs> that story is in all three of them. It is in all three of them. The famous story where Jesus is confronted by a demoniac and the, you know, he says like, you know, if you come to destroy us and all of that sort of stuff. And Jesus asks the demon his name and he says, we are, we we are legion for we are many. And that gets quoted. The, well, like I said, that's in all three of the synoptic gospels. Mark five, nine is specifically quoted in this movie. Because there are soldiers that see, because what Legion is, is a bunch of smaller creatures from space. They look like horrific insects. And they all combine together into one massive entity. Yep. 
So Which, one of them quotes this. I'm like, where did this even come from? I was just like, it's a Bible <laughs> reference. I have been told that for a lot of Japanese creators, they look at things like the Bible and just think it's a really cool source of things that they can use in their stories. They aren't necessarily intending it to mean anything profound. But let's be honest, it's a little hard to you know, not use the Bible and you know in some way and not yeah you know do something profound with it so this is if you want to look at it this way you want to talk about christological parallels we have <laughs> the threat of the week is the legion and gamma yep. is battling it yep so a couple quick things i want to point out about uh, the watch along I had, maybe not theme related, but just little little things I noticed. I loved the first movie, but I found this one was. You and I talked earlier about how they keep getting better. This one, I think, as much as I enjoy Guardians, was leaps and bounds uh, better in the sense of. Gam- the, there's a couple shots where we get Gamma flying, but he's got the the new almost like wing flippers. Yeah, they turn uh, into flippers. I, yeah, because that was... Uh, I, uh, so he could use them like an airplane. Yeah. To, th- to throw out a wrestling terminology, I marked out when I saw that. I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. Like, this is what I wanted. <laughs> Just, the, the spinning shell, I get it, but I was like, this, oh my gosh, yes, this. And then we get that even more in the next one. Um as much as I liked Gauss in the uh, in the preceding movie, uh, the costumes were they, they were all right. I'm not knocking them, but Legion is I, Legion so, is a feat of Tokusatsu filmmaking. It exactly, really is. It just, took two men to operate that yeah, suit. Two, yeah, just so you could get it without the strings and everything. Like it, it, it's not to the detriment of of Gauss. I'm not trying to knock Gauss, but when you get to that, when you see it from that technical side, but then also the deep themes, you're just like, I graduated. I went from the, and I'm not trying to knock it, not trying to say the first one's the kiddie pole, clearly not, but I'm getting to the deep end, like, holy cow, this is nuts um, in terms of the themes as we're discussing, but then also just visually and some of the stuff yeah. you get, um, the step up in in every possible delivery is just it's, yeah it's outstanding yeah it it really is and a lot of people will argue between two and three as the best of the trilogy i'm in the gamma three camp but i made, I, I, I wish i've made too. plain but i mean you know like in this one like i said i it's thematically rich i don't think the characters are written as well but it is the special effects and the themes and everything just get cranked up as you go so it more yeah. than me it I hate to say it because characters and story are incredibly important to me with everything, but it it does a very good job of making up for it. In fact, the, my most recent viewing of it, I actually found myself liking two a lot more than I remember the last time. But you know, <laughs> not only do you have the thing with Legion and them quoting the Bible about it, I kind of wondered if there are intentional, you know, Christian imagery and ideas in this. You could argue Gamera has a bit of a death and resurrection. 
I mean, uh, yeah. he dies. Yeah. He essentially dies fighting Legion the first time because that's how Gamera rolls. He gets his butt kicked the first time. This goes all the way back to the 60s. <laughs> he gets his butt kicked the first time, and then he comes back and he's like, ha-ha, I know your tricks. And then, <laughs> and then he wins. So... He takes the licking to learn. Yeah. So he essentially dies. He gets encased in, I don't know what that was, but he kind of turns the stone almost. He just ceases to right, function. Yeah. He ceases to function. And, you know, because of this massive attack from Legion. And then Legion continues it, on. And then it takes. <laughs> then what happens later? You have Asagi still acting as his priestess, prophetess, whatever you want to call her. And she keeps, you know, she's still being that link. She's telling everybody he's fine. He's not going to hurt anybody. And she pleads, you know, his case and even kind of proclaims in a way she proclaims he will rise again. He's coming back. He's going to be fine. He's coming back. And there's even a scene while that's going on where this, you know, this mother is talking to her worried little daughter because she's wanting to know what's going on with Gamera and what does she say to her mother? What does the mother say? Oh, he's just sleeping. <laughs> he's just sleeping. <laughs> like she's trying to reassure yeah. her. It'll, he'll be okay. It'll be fine. Even though she doesn't really know. And then well, who are, I mean, there's pl- there's a whole crowd that sees Gamera when he, when he emerges from the stony state, but what are, but what does the camera focus on so that we as the audience that who we see we see our two main female leads yep and who were the first people who saw the empty tomb the marys (laughs) the marys (laughs) it was women (laughs) women saw the the empty tomb first yep yep i mean it's oh you can go nuts with this you really can uh, th- there's too much there for it to not be on purpose. <laughs> uh, maybe they're definitely like taking inspiration from that. I, th- I think it's fair to say yeah. whether or not the themes to the extent that you and I can look into them and take from and see maybe, maybe that was slightly different, but there's too much there where it's like, nah, man, there's, Way too many coincidences here for it to be a coincidence. Yeah, I mean, I even um, kind of, I even wrote down, you know, uh, when you, you know, when Gamera is fighting Legion, you know, and he whips out because, oh my gosh, Ga- Legion keeps inventing superpowers. He's like Silver Age Superman, <laughs> but uh, he's like, oh, I have a new trick, and one of them was like those weird energy whip things, and I'm like, is this like Christ being whipped? You know, forty minus one, and, right? You know, right. Like that, where Gamera is getting whipped. You know, he's suffering <laughs> to save mankind. You know, all these things. Well, and, and I mean, I even got this weird idea, and, and this weird idea just occurred to me. We talked about already how the Makatama bead that Asagi has shatters when Gamera emerges from his stony state, even cuts her hand. I don't know if that was her hand getting yeah. cut or if it was just red liquid. It looked, I. I looked at it as blood, like it pierced her hand. And yeah. you know, when it, it exploded and it cut her hand. This weird thought occurred to me, because we've already talked about how her relationship with Gamera becomes more faith-based yeah. uh, after this movie, in the third movie. Is this like the veil being torn in two and how it changed everything? 
Whereas the old, the old Testament prophets had these very direct communications with God and audible voice and all of that sort of stuff. But in the new Testament, it's more than the new Testament and beyond, you know, past the early church age, it's more about faith. Yeah, maybe that's, uh, that's I, interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of sitting here going, I'm going to leave this right here. <laughs> Jimmy's shaking his head at me a little bit. He's, he's an engineer. He's a scientist. You know, he, he, uh, he kind of tolerates my Christianity a little bit, but <laughs> we have a help. We have a, you know, a, Despite the how we oh, we badger each other on the air, we do actually have a uh, tremendous respect for one another. So, <laughs> well, I was going to say you you've said you the the just is in love. So there you yeah. go, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, to continue the Star Wars analogy, it's it, we're like R two D two and C three PO a little bit, <laughs> which hopefully keeps to Star Wars and doesn't extend to out of Star Wars where the actors. Did not get along well. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I'm talking about the characters. So, I mean, oh, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, like yeah. I said, I'm just going to leave that right there. If that was the case, it was completely, I'm sure it was completely unintentional on the filmmaker's part. But it, it it's interesting. And it's, it's, I think that's, that's worthy of some thought. Um, oh, man. That's, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. And now uh, let's get to the crescendo because we can't, we've breezed through. Yeah. There's a few other things I could mention about about Advent of Legion, but I'll save those for my show because <laughs> I want to try to stay on track here a little bit. We get to Revenge yeah. of Iris. Uh, oh, oh my, my goodness. Gosh. Yeah. So. Oh my goodness. So what, what, okay. When I, when I sat down to watch this, I was like, okay, don't like, don't let your hopes up be too high. Like just, okay. If it can be even as good as, half as good as the first one i'm gonna be happy because it's rare it's so rare that a trilogy uh keeps getting better but especially for the third one to stick the landing it's it's a lot more difficult than than you think um so i was like okay i'm gonna i'm I'm, I'm just gonna I'm, i know it's got a rep but i'm still gonna just taper my ex- expectations they were shattered within the first, <laughs> like, 10 to 15 minutes. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is outstanding. Like, you, you're you going to have to try to screw this up. Like, this is, everything's firing on all cylinders. Oh, even before we my gosh. You know what's you know, you know, – let's talk about the production here a little bit. And this, this was true to lesser extents with the previous two. There's – the out of out of these three, this one has the most CGI in it, and I will say that it's could be argued that the special effects get brought down a little bit by the CGI because the CGI hasn't aged well. Yeah, <laughs> it looks dated, but it's meant it. it oh, they only used it when they had to, and preferred yeah. using traditional tokusatsu effects. And here's the insane thing. The traditional tokusatsu effects, the practical stuff, still looks amazing. It has aged oh gosh, like a yeah. fine wine to the point where it makes the CGI look worse by comparison. Yeah, it makes oh, you. It, that looks like 
old cracked leather, you know, <laughs> by comparison. <laughs> I know it's uh, shut up, Jimmy. I know that uh, wine and leather don't make go, don't go together, but shut up. I saw you reaching for that button. <laughs> uh, the corner of my eye. I've got my eyes on you, man. But uh, he's but, been waiting. He's been waiting for a while. He's uh, been, but... Yeah, he's like, I've been a little too quiet right now. He's a, he's a little antsy because he hasn't been piping in quite as much the last couple of episodes. I think he's a little upset. Shut up. You took over my show April 1st. Just, mm. um, I'm not going to let you forget that, man. <laughs> don't don't talk to me a, about Space Kong. Interesting but, episode. Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy, if you can if if you can make Mecha Mothra happen, you can you can take an episode of my show. But yeah, that's the caveat. Give me Mecha Mothra. Yeah, I know. You have to finish Mechanic Kong first. Uh, okay. <laughs> Some mechanic on. Uh, but anyway, the is the practical effects in this. They're 20 years old. They are absolutely oh, fantastic. Dude. The composites are perfect. I, the, it is. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no, just it, look it, at the it, scene. It, just look at the scene where Gamera tackles Legion into the train station. And the characters yeah. are in the foreground and they are reacting to it. That is technical perfection. The, it is. So I was shots. like, I was like, it is. It looks seamless. It is so freaking seamless. Yeah. I don't know how they did it. There is a reason why David from the Kaiju Apostle actually said, we don't deserve this trilogy. Somebody posted that clip on Twitter and his comment was, we don't deserve this trilogy. Like it's Yeah. No, the, the, when I was watching it, the word beautiful came to mind so many times that I lost count where it's just like, this is gorgeous. It yeah. doesn't matter whether it was supposed to look gorgeous or not. It was like that word was coming to mind at tragic scenes. I know. That's um, the thing. It is it is if there if it is possible to be beautiful and horrific at the same time, as this film often is. Yeah. This few, is it. Few other few other films have pulled it off. Yeah, uh, I will I'm gonna tell you well. right now, in the pantheon of kaiju movies. This one is eclipsed only by two other movies in the entire genre. And that's the original King Kong and the original Godzilla. And the only reason they edge out is because this movie wouldn't exist with either one of them, without either one of them. That's fair. That's fair. That is the only reason because those two created the genre and they paved the way for the effects and they, they, because they did everything first that is the only yeah. reason they edge out. I think there there's two that edge it out for me, but it's it's not like by a a, a giant margin or anything. Like it's close. Um, it is the original Godzilla, but uh, I also hold Shin Godzilla in oh. incredibly high regard. Um, and we we can agree to disagree. Actually, uh, I, I actually I love Shin Godzilla. You know, I'm okay, one of those cool, cool. I'm one of those people. <laughs> I uh, I love it. I love it so much. It's 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 one of the best movies I've seen in the past ten years. Yeah. But the uh, the the Tokyo destruction scene oh, in gosh. that yeah. is like this. 
where it's it's so tragic because you know what's happening you know like people are dying um but it's also just it's so well put together everything's firing on all cylinders it's beautiful yeah uh and and that happens in in so much of revenge of iris yeah and the the thing the thing that is actually a little bit disconcerting and we had tastes of this in the previous two movies but it gets cranked up to 11 in this this movie does not shy away from showing you collateral damage no well because that was the the thing the uh, most kaiju movies most kaiju movies kind of have sanitized violence. You see buildings yeah, be destroyed. Yeah. You see military vehicles be destroyed. But that's all you yeah. really see. Now, sometimes they say, they say the city's evacuated so you can you can revel in the buildings being destroyed without feeling bad about it. But, you know, the military vehicles are a little harder to deal with. This doesn't shy away <laughs> yeah. from this. Gamera's no. technically trying to be the good guy here. But even Gamera is causing collateral damage. You see people on the street, the streets full of people, and they are dying. They are getting hit by debris. They are getting incinerated by fire. It does not shy away from it. And it's it's kind of off-putting because, (laughs) you know, you would think, this is the action sequence. I should be enjoying this. You feel kind of bad if you find yourself enjoying this. You're also thinking, wait a minute, Gamera's the good guy. He's technically yeah. killing people. Well, that was the that was the thing when I first saw this because a lot of this happens in the first like ten minutes. Um, it's dark. It's night. It's so moody. This movie has such an atmosphere. Um, but even within that, where it's Gamera's trying to get a gauss. Uh, there's those couple things where you're like, oh crap, we're in for something different. Um, even still, like not taking anything away from the preceding two, but this is just even a further step up where, yeah, people are dying. They're burning to death. They're taking the time and the moment to point out that people are dying and having people react to that. Um, and clearly showing them as collateral damage. But even still, even that there's been gore in this and this franchise before when Gamera gets a Gauss, you know, oh, you're in for something different when it's head and then eyeball. Explodes. Oh, I was about to say, what even, even see? what happens to Gauss is it's off putting. It's yeah. like, yeah, I know. Yeah. We know the Gauss are nasty. They eat people and they don't care. Yeah. They're they're They are mean well, they, and they are disgusting. I mean, even the original Gauss from the sixties, <laughs> was essentially a vampire bat. It drank blood. Yeah. I mean, it was not yeah. to be sympathized with. And you still don't really sympathize. It. But even at this point, we're just like, oh, that's what Gamera is doing to these? Th- oh, man. There's a went, weird, it, it, t- there's like a tiny, tiny bit of sympathy to be had because you're seeing what is actually happening. It's not sanitized. It is yeah. not sanitized at all for 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 any of the uh for any of our listeners who might be uh marvel movie fans i think you could liken it to wolverine in any of the x-men movies or his his first two solo movies in comparison to wolverine in logan oh my (laughs) where it's now you're seeing what in logan it's like oh yeah this is 
horrifying because it's indestructible knife claws. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they would do. Yeah. And so when and, it, it, in Gamera, it's like the fire, the heat, everything. You're just like, oh my gosh. But it, it does add to the story and it adds to I know. The and theme. that's the brilliance of it. It is this is yeah. not this is not here for shock value. It is not. No, no. It is there is no. purpose to this. And that's one of the reasons I love it so much. Because we see this perspective. We we have the spectacle of all of this, but we're seeing all of this through the eyes of one character. One yep. person who suffered because of this collateral damage. Ayana. Yep. And love the open that. we've already hinted at it a little bit, Nightmare Gamera, that we see yeah. very briefly at the beginning of the movie and then a couple of other times later throughout the film. What's fascinating about that is the whole point of this, it goes back to Guardian of the Universe. This girl, she's a teenage girl. She is essentially a dark version of Asagi. Yes. She's a dark Asagi. <laughs> That's what she is. Complete with all the trappings. She gets her own Magatama bead, but her Magatama bead looks like a talon. It looks like a claw. Yeah. You know, it's bigger yeah. and it's sharp and it's angular and, you know, it's not curved and smooth like the, you know, like the uh, Asagi's Magatama. And it is her connection yeah. to Iris. And it, yeah. it, the mythology is a little bit weird and muddy a little bit here, but I completely forgive it. The, but we see this flashback. She was there in the city during the end of guardian of the universe, her parents and her cat. Cause that's where she gets the name for the monster. Her cat, yeah. Iris, they all died while Gamera yeah. was fighting Gauss. They are the collateral damage. They are those empty buildings that we see in the, in these movies. There were people there. There were consequences for it. She watched them die. She survived, but she watched them die. So that Gamera that we see, because we're seeing footage from Guardian of the Universe, and we remember Gamera being the hero. And when we see Nightmare Gamera, that is how she, that's like, that's how in her mind, that's how she sees Gamera. He is a monster. Yeah. He is a demon, even. He is yeah. terrifying. He's a killer. And that is how she carries that with her for the whole movie. This is a revenge story, but it's a revenge story that this is a revenge story done well. It is done oh so God, yeah. incredibly well because I just heard uh, something today. I forget if it was on another, on another podcast or something like that. Yeah, it was uh, Kaiju Weekly. They were talking about uh, the Japanese Spider Man show. And apparently, the yeah, yeah, laugh all you want, but the, the the what they brought up was that you know, that Spider Man was motivated by revenge because apparently in Japan, revenge isn't necessarily seen as a bad thing. It's a totally legitimate motivation for something, whereas in the West we tend to view it much more negatively, and. And this this is one of those times where it's a revenge story, but it ends like, you know, for us Westerners, more like a traditional revenge story. She goes through all of this, and she realizes this was pointless. Yeah, she has, and she has to come to grips at the end of this movie with what she's done, and 
Oh, man. So you have this caricature, you know, at the beginning. And, uh, you know, there's a... You have a couple of other characters who are borderline caricatures, I have to say. They, they get... I feel like these actors... They come perilously close to Power Ranger levels of villainy with how ridiculous they get. Are, are we talking the? Are we talking the cultists? Yes. <laughs> oh, they, yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. So you know, you know how you said the second one is where you you had some character struggle. Yeah. This one, especially because of those two, um, just with not trying to knock the performers, but just how they were doing the performances. Yeah. I was like. I'm I'm cut. You're losing me a bit. Yeah, but they like they get a little crazy. The strength of the rest of the film. Yeah, they get a little um, crazy, but they're saying some interesting things. Uh, you know, quoting yeah, the Book of yeah. Changes and Confucianism. You know, when heaven and earth face each other, everything is destroyed. I'm just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> it's just woo. Uh, what you're it, saying it, is interesting. Just yeah, say it different. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it sounds very. Very intense. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, they, like I said, they get a little nuts. They come, like I said, yeah. perilously close to Power Ranger levels of villainy. They're almost caricatures. I don't think they quite get there, but they come right up to the fence. <laughs> they come but right up to the fence so and kind of like reach everything. over the fence a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Into it's, caricature it's, it land. It stands out. It just stands out so much in comparison to everybody else in the movie where you can watch giant kaiju movies and other things where it's like, this person's treating it super seriously. And then this person knows exactly the movie they're in. And you wish everybody was doing what that person was doing. This is the reverse of that. Everybody else knew the movie they were in. And these guys maybe thought they were in a quasi Shawa era gamma. Yeah. Not to be that mean, not to be that mean, but it's yeah. Yeah. It's just it, it, so it, it, much, just everything just comes to a head in this. You know, Asagi comes back. Oh, my gosh. And, uh, you know, she's not quite the star in this one, but she comes back and she is still advocating for Gamera because at this point, if anyone has concerns about Gamera, I think it's actually totally understandable because he, he at first really seems to not care about yeah. the collateral damage the that he's causing. And you know, as by the oh end gosh, of the movie... Yeah. I think that concern comes back. It definitely comes back. What am I talking about? He becomes much, he becomes more heroic <laughs> as time goes on. The, oh man. Oh, I just, I love this movie so much. Oh, I know. It's, <laughs> oh, it's so, oh, I it's mean, so it, it, you, you get to that, uh, like the dream sequence at the end, because what ends up happening, this is so fascinating because Iris is supposed to be some sort of spawn of the Gauss. So, Iris right. is angry at Gamera because Iris sees Gamera as the killer of her family or his family. I don't right. know, but I'll say his just for the sake of it. Uh, Iris you know, sees Gamera as the killer of his family, and she and and he bonds with Ayane because of that because they both have this kinship in their hatred of Gamera. But it seems like, honestly, as time goes on, that Iris is just trying to use her, you know, oh, yeah. by absorbing her. And, you know, and then it seems like, especially when you get to the end, it really seems like he was just using her because, you know, he absorbs her and then he goes off and he kills a bunch of other people. And then 
she relives that at the end in her little dream sequence. She even asked herself, did I kill those people? Because yeah. she didn't, I don't think she meant to kill people. She just wanted to kill Gamera. And it's this wonderful visual metaphor for the, the all consuming nature of revenge. Heck you could, if you want to get super spiritual about it, it's kind of the all consuming nature of sin. Cause that's really what happens. You indulge it a little bit and it continues to consume. Percent. Yeah. It well, continues it, to consume, like, and then all it does is use you. Because yeah, that's all I, she, the Iris does at the end. He doesn't care. He just wants to use her. Her her hate fueled Iris, so Iris, like, hey, we got this common em- enemy, but I can help. And as you see, I'm just, I, I'm, even though you just said the character's name, I'm just totally brain farting Ayana. on her name. Ayana, sorry. Yeah, as you see Ayana, um, at first there's it's a mutual relationship and she's taking care of Iris. But then Iris is feeding on her hate, then legitimately trying to feed on her. Um, but then as Iris grows in power and the and, hatred is And turns there, into a Final Fantasy you, boss. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but then you also get, like, towards the end, she's looking rough. She's looking pale. She's looking weak. She is like she she's just living in this She's cold this, this sin. This anger. She's cold. She's Yeah, it's it, it's so friggin' rich. Yeah, and the <laughs> thing is, is the performance is incredibly subtle. She's not oh, raging, oh gosh, she yeah. seethes. She glares. Yeah. She just looks yeah. on. And but you know no, exactly she, what's going on in her head. This that actress was brilliant, absolutely. Oh my brilliant. goodness, yeah. And people try to talk Kid to her. Like Asagi are, goes to her and tries to say, "Stop it! Stop it! What are you doing? Stop it!" Yeah. <laughs> she she and she can't get through to her. And then I no. love the scene at the end. It is so brilliant. It is so absolutely brilliant because you have this boy who's in charge of the shrine. His family is in charge of the shrine where they find Iris. And I have notes here about Tory Gates, but we can skip over it for the sake of time because I could go on about Tory <laughs> Gates because they're incredibly significant. But let's stay focused on this. The And he's given some sort of ancient ceremonial weapon. You know, it's been passed down to the family. It's a knife. And he's told, you can use this to, to save Ayana. So he thinks he can use it somehow to kill Iris. Iris is a Freaking giant monster. I mean, what's it going to do? <laughs> and if this had been any other movie, when you get to the end, because the, the fantastic climax at the train station, if this had been any oh, other man. movie, you get to the end there, and he unwraps the, the knife, and he takes it, and he throws it at, uh, at, at Iris, after we've already had the setup that the knife can do something to help. If this had been any other movie, that would have co- turned into some giant flaming dart or something. Yeah. You know, and just, you know, an arrow. It just going right through Iris and, I don't know, weakened him enough that Gamera could come in and finish him off. No. It doesn't do that. It goes much deeper than that. The dagger flies at Iris. It bounces right off. It does nothing. But then it falls <laughs> down toward Ayana, and as it comes down, it scratches her cheek, just a tiny bit, just scratches it as it falls and it hits the ground. But it was just enough to break her 
out of her little trance with Iris because at that point, Iris is leaning in fully intent on completely absorbing her. Yeah. And it breaks that power just a tiny bit. She comes to her senses for a split second. And then it's too late. And then Iris grabs her and sucks her right in. And then she has her little dream sequence where she, she's forced to confront her own sins at that point. It is brilliant. It is absolutely yeah. brilliant. And then what happens after that? Gamera goes over there and he plays hero. He stabs his hand right into oh, you know, Iris's chest and he pulls her right out. He's like, no, you can't so have her. And he just yanks her right wonderfully out. Wonderfully brutal. Yeah. Um, and then what am I- it goes a step Sorry. further. And if you want to talk about Christological parallels... <laughs> Gamera's got Ayana in one of his, in his one hand in his left hand. Yep. And then Iris the right hand stabs Gamera through his right hand to the wall. Yep. Through the palm, <laughs> I might add, because he has spiky things on him. Through the hand, I'm like well, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you could read into that. Really hard. Oh, absolutely. And then I, oh my gosh. And I will never forget the first time I watched this movie and I saw this happen because you can, and the suit acting is brilliant with this. Absolutely brilliant because Gamera is looking at his hand and he's looking back at Iris and he's like, crap, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? There's only one thing I can do and I'm going to have to do it. And he blows his own hand off <laughs> with his plasma ball fire breath. Love it. He blows Love off it. his own hand and then Iris tries to shoot him. And because he's Gamera and he can do this, <laughs> he takes that stub and he absorbs the hand and then shoots it right back. Like Yoda in episode <laughs> two <laughs> with force lightning. And nukes the snot out of Iris. So, so good. Oh, I, it, there are what? few scenes in movies that are the textbook definition of B.A. That is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was texting some friends. They're like, so what are you guys up to? And then I'm giving them the play-by-play of this. <laughs> I'm watching this, and I did not know how much I needed this. This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And then after that, you have these scenes where Gamera is interacting with our human characters. He's he's giving yeah. Ayana back, and she's covered in iris guts, and he's being as gentle as possible, <laughs> putting her down. And the characters are looking up at him, and they're talking to him, and he's standing there observing everything. I mean, I will tell you, the first time I watched this movie, I was so totally in it. I was just immersed. I was like, I am in with everything because that's how good this movie is. Oh, then these characters prove that they perfect. failed elementary biology class <laughs> because they are doing CPR on the wrong part of the body. <laughs> that is not where your heart is. You are trying to give this girl a stomach pump. That is how... That, that should tell you something. That, that, it takes... 
this is a unique kind of immersion. I am completely immersed in this, and then it takes one small stupid thing to completely shatter it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've taken CPR classes, and they are doing it 100% wrong. <laughs> it's like congratulations movie you had me so immersed that it took one stupid thing (laughs) one nitpick detail to take me right out of it but you know then camera is just standing there and he's watching and he's making sure everything is okay ayana even looks up to him and more or less says you saved me yeah the the thing that she had spent this entire movie Dedicated to mur- to killing and murdering, saves her. Yeah, at great cost, yeah. I might add. Oh yeah, you don't. It's hard to get. You become more of a Christ figure than that. Let's be honest. <laughs> well, no, exactly. <laughs> and for me, my reading of that is Gamera knew. Gamera knew that she felt this way. And he still sacrificed for her. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I will ask this one quick thing because I know it's a little bit of a yeah. debate in the kaiju community. How do you feel about sure. the ending? I think the ending is perfect, but I, apparently there are people who have issues with it. And I'm talking I about the it. final scene when he, when Gamera just wanders out to the city and it's implied he's going to confront the swarm of Gauss that are coming. I loved it. I, of course, I wanted more because when the product is that good, like, just keep it coming. Uh, But at the same point, you didn't need it. You didn't need to show it. Um, What else could it have done that we didn't already get? Uh, We just had this huge emotional and action climax uh, that sealed the movie and follow through on the other themes from the previous two that anything else like you you didn't need to show the battle you didn't need to know uh like who won that because the point but to me it's like gamera is gonna do whatever like whatever he needs to do to save and even though gamera looks like nightmare gamera he just showed he's still a gamera from guardians Mm-hmm. Uh, where he cares and I'm like that that's a great way to end it it's an interesting spot because you could be like I've seen some people try to say it's a cliffhanger I wouldn't say so but I, I do understand that viewpoint but I'm like I don't you can't not end it there because they they've been building up to the gas flying in but you don't need to then show because at that point it's like all right now we're just smorgasbording yeah uh, and we just got you got the punch that you got so much in the finale that I'm like, that's a great spot to end it. Um, Like what else is there really? Mm -hmm. And I, I actually, before we did this, I watched a series on YouTube um, or I I can't remember the channel, but it was like four fun facts from each of these movies. Uh, And for Iris, they were like, they had no plan for a Gamera four. The, the team, had a vision for the increase in scope for each movie. And they're like, we just wanted to end it there. Cause at this point, Iris is a moral threat. And then to do the Gauss stuff, it's like at some point we're either scaling down or we're losing some of the magic. So ending it there, I'm like, I, I agreed a hundred percent. So I loved it.
Okay, Jimmy, that's a good point. As Jimmy just pointed out, there actually kind of is a sequel. There is yes, a Gamera 4. Yes. It's a fan film that will never yes, see the light of day that. ever again. But it's yeah. called Gamera 4 Truth. Yes. Made by a director named Shinpei Hayashiya, who has now gone yes. on to make a trilogy of his uh, of independent original kaiju movies. Uh, you might be familiar with uh, Rago was the first one that just got brought over here. Oh, uh, I haven't. No. Uh, yeah. Uh, wander around Walmart. You might be able to find it. The, that or, this, <laughs> uh, or the the first sequel, which is Rega. Or Riga. Oh. Um, they're in, oh, uh, I've seen the first one. It's it's interesting. But no, he uh, he was one of those guys who was not happy with the ending, so he wanted to <laughs> make another one. So he made a Gamera 4 that the studio apparently thought, this is really good, but we're burying it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, studios have interesting relationships with uh, fan films. Right. Yeah, you just <laughs> did a, a an episode about Star Wars fan films. So yes. Yep. Yep. Well, uh, you're you're into you're into Star Trek, I believe. Yes. Um, did you ever see Prelude to Axanar? Yes, but it was a while ago. I also saw Star so, Trek Continues, which was fantastic. With with Axanar, it got so much oh, yeah. attention, and because of what I have no doubt because of the quality of it. But then also because of how they were doing the funds, uh, the funding for it, that got legal questions. But Paramount took a lot of issue with it, um, and that's the thing when you get fan stuff that, whether or not it's about the profit. But if it's, I'm not saying that this fourth film would have shown up any of the original, the first three. But if it shows how good it is, and they're like, "Wait, we're not doing this. We we can't have this exist. <laughs> like we can't." <laughs> let this get out because it shows us up. Yeah. <laughs> if we make, if we make a next one that doesn't live up to the fan film, that doesn't even have a yeah. fraction of our fractional budget. <laughs> like, I don't yeah. know. I, I don't... I've read a plot synopsis of it. I've read some descriptions of it. It's essentially Gamera fighting the horde of Gauss. Yeah. From what I understand, and, but and know, I think it's only like Bino Gauss. Yeah. Uh, I think so, and I think it's about it's like twenty five thirty minutes long. So I think yeah, I know. think so. It's I I'm curious to see it, but I know we'll never it'll never see the light of day. It did get shown at two uh two festivals, and I think the director I in one of the videos that I was watching because I talked about it. Um, the director did see it, and he was like, "Yeah, it's good." Like yeah, Kaneko, yeah. He said, "Yeah, my, you know, it's like my." He said, "I have the ending for the movie that you know that I wanted, you know, yeah." But this is good, so I, I think he was trying to be, you know, make a compromise. Like, yeah, wow, I made the ending. Oh yeah, this is the ending, but this is good. So, yeah, and that's it. It ends so so well. Um, before before we wrap this up, I I gotta ask you just because we've talked about other gamer stuff. Yeah. Uh, there's two. There's two things I would love to see. One is, uh, did you see the 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 treatment trailer from 2015 involving Gamera? Yes. What did you think of it? It looked good. I thought. I think it had potential. I would like. I want to see something happen with Gamera. I really do. Yeah. Poor Gamera deserves to have another movie. He's a little sad right now because he's like everybody else is getting new movies. 
Why don't I get a new movie? Come on. I haven't had a movie in 14 years. I want a movie, dang it. I mean, even Rodan gets to have a new movie. He hasn't been in a movie since 2005. And he gets to he gets to be super cool and king of the monsters. Oh, you know, yeah, he's a little perturbed. Yeah, I can tell. I, I, I can, well, especially after watching his amazing trilogy, I'm like, why aren't there more of you? Um, all right, so that, the, the other question is, um, hypothetically, if we could ever get it, would you? How on board would you be with a a Gamera Godzilla flick? A three thousand <laughs> percent. I want to see I that. <laughs> oh my gosh! Man. I want I, to I, see that. Uh, I, mean, I, I after having a rematch with Kong, I mean, at the, this point, the two of them are not talking to each other. They, you know, you know, they, they've got differences. <laughs> and with the Orca, Jimmy's still trying to fix the dang Orca, but the parts aren't coming in until November. You know, we're trying to get the Orca fixed right. so they can they can get along again. But you know, aside from the rematch with Kong, Gamera is the next one. You know, yeah. Gamera won't have the pull that Godzilla or Kong do in the United States. But there's, there really isn't any other Kaiju on the same level of icon anywhere no, close no, uh, besides isn't. those two, you know, and yeah. it's just, what else do you do at that point? So I would be totally on board for it. I know that idea has been floated around to Toho, but they've never pulled the trigger on it. And, I, I would be all for it. How would you end it? Yeah. I don't know. How would you go about it? I, I really don't know. Same thing with Godzilla versus Kong. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know how you do it right you know, with two yeah. with such important monsters. You know, the closest <laughs> I've seen to it is the sh- the series Death Battle had an episode that yeah, was oh Godzilla my. and Gamera. <laughs> and I have a Japanese listener who takes umbrage <laughs> with. What with that show because she argues that their research is wrong <laughs> because they have Godzilla win and she she argues uh, wouldn't go like that but I think she's firmly in the Gamera camp I get the impression right. so that episode has oh that line where they're summing up like Godzilla how he gets the spiral ray is just I love it so much and I've even talked about it on the show. I think it represents like people from outside the kaiju fandom when they sit in and they're just like, what? Um, where <laughs> after absorbing the soul of a dead pterodactyl, okay. <laughs> like, this is us, a thing. We're on board. The Heisei movies we're, were a little weird. <laughs> we're just like, yep, nope, this tracks. This makes sense. And it's like, <laughs> what did I just what <laughs> when you when you put it that way <laughs> so good <laughs> it's so good um yeah man I would I would love uh, a Gamera Godzilla movie um be it in the monsterverse or if they could somehow include Gamera in the monsterverse Gamera in uh, the monsterverse would be interesting I've heard rumors that he might show up in the monsterverse I don't know if well, I want it, Gamera in the MonsterVerse, but it would be interesting. Well, with the MonsterVerse, 
potentially I like the thing is I didn't know if it would end after Kong and I still hope it doesn't just because it's the only other uh, franchise that's doing the shared universe well um <laughs> as I have stated fall. several times on my show <laughs> yeah the monster exactly. versus <laughs> the only remotely successful shared cinematic universe right now the only other one Yep. Nope. Nothing I mean, else is working. I, um, you know, DC try, but now they're kind of ignoring it. And you know, we won't talk about Dark it, Universe. That was DOA. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, but with just just with how it's going, if it's going to keep going, I think they're going to need something else. Because even though I, guys like you and I and a big fandom will show up for Godzilla. I still think you they're going to need to start injecting more and doing more because I, I might be in the minority, maybe. I don't know. I loved I loved King of the Monsters. Um, I did, too. I exactly so if, there, if it's a minority, we're yeah. both in it. All right. Awesome. Yeah, I do. I, I, I both get and also don't get the, the flack that movie gets because it's not <laughs> it's not one of the heavier Godzilla movies. And when someone asks like, what's Godzilla? It's, it's not just a heavy meditation on the horrors of Megazaki and Hiroshima. It is also a franchise where a giant man in a lizard suit dances and does a two mile long tail sliding dropkick. There's room for everything. (laughs) And also flies. When someone's like, exactly uses his breath to fly after he tucks his tail up. Like when people are there, they're, I, I get wanting more character, like human characters, but at the same point, I'm like, look, man, this this is a monster romp. This is what we're down for, and it does it better than Final Wars. <laughs> I've been waiting for Ghidorah with a giant budget behind him, and, I, and I'm getting it. Do not ruin this for me. <laughs> and I, I, I love that with Gamera. I think Gamera, especially because he doesn't have the American audience base, then there could be more intrigue. Because with Godzilla, because he's got that reputation and he's still working on like losing that stigma from the the dubbed versions that came to North America, that Gamera you could you could go high say on it or hey say right away and people might get on board with it. So I, I'd love that. Yeah, the I think it's actually would be harder for Gamera because for a lot yeah, of Americans their first exposure to Gamera, particularly people our age, was Mr. Science Theater, where Gamera was a joke. Right. And uh, unfortunately, the the Sandy Frank dubs for those movies didn't do him any favors. Yeah. It just made it even easier to be for them to be mocked. So I think Gamera right. probably has a bigger stigma to get over than Godzilla does. You know, Godzilla has the advantage of looking like a dinosaur. You know, this is a giant turtle with saber, t- with sa- <laughs> a giant saber tooth turtle. I mean, that's a little bit of a harder pill to swallow. And then, I mean, Gamera tried to try it up for the Olympics in one movie. I mean, need I say more? You know, he was a gymnast for a hot minute and you know when you have stuff like that and it just all of the other absurdities and then the goofy kid characters it's there's just so much that there's just so much baggage that gamera has that's fair 
you know, I think for a lot of American audiences, it's harder to get over that. Where that, uh, Gamera, Godzilla doesn't have as much. Not nearly. That's fair. I I think with, I guess part of my thought is as well, like with Gamera having less of that audience, it's like, okay, you've got the memes and the gifts and the 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 joke piece, but it's also the wider audience isn't even aware of that version of it. But then in my head, I'm just picturing it, in Legion, we got that outstanding scene where Gamera got the hero fly-in sequence. Yes. And then in, in Iris, you got a, an, an in-air battle. I could, I'd honestly say, if you could do that well, and not that they didn't, because I, like I said, I marked the heck out when he flew in in Legion with the with the wing. Yeah, with, that you he could, was a superhero for a second there. I mean, he you, really was. You toss that on the big screen now. I the audience would. I I think the audience would cheer. They 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 go for it. It might not be a huge billion dollar maker, but it doesn't have to be. But that, no. but that's kind of my thought. Yeah. <laughs> um. I'd, I I and I just I also want more of this now that I've had it and I've enjoyed it. I'm like, okay, give me more. Uh. And I don't want to have to jump back to the the junk food to get it. Um. <laughs> I want more of this this amazing steak. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the nice thing about Godzilla is there's a flavor of Godzilla for everybody. You can have a dark exactly. Godzilla. You can have a light Godzilla. I think you could do the same thing with Gamera, but it has to be you done. You can have a Kentucky Fried right. Godzilla that nobody asked for. <laughs> yes, but it, it needs to be done right. And yeah, I think absolutely. that's what Gamera, if you watch Gamera the Brave, I think that it proves that you can do a lighter Gamera movie that is like the old Showa movies, but you can do it right. And you can make it endearing yeah. and you can make it charming and it can still work. You just have to write a child like a child, <laughs> like a real child, and <laughs> not some precocious girl and boy who knows more than the adults. And <laughs> you know, the adults don't have to be idiots for the kids yeah. to work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You can do it right, and. I think that's it, we we just need the right filmmaker to do it. Yeah. The, yeah. It's the same thing. I feel the same way about King Kong. You know, I think King Kong's even might actually be in a more of a rut. It's hard to break Kong out of the mold of that original movie because the original movie is just it's one of the few example or potential examples of cinematic perfection. <laughs> I mean, it's, that original movie is just so good. It's hard to break out of it. And with all, with all due respect to Peter Jackson's Kong, it's why I even prefer Skull Island because Skull Island was finally the one where I'm like, we're, we're doing something different here. It's, it's not, not the just, first time. It's just the other times had mixed results. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's the first time that we're doing it well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, King Kong um, escapes is fun. It's not necessarily, you know, it's not necessarily a great movie, but it's definitely yeah, fun. Yeah. And yeah, King Kong lives was daringly different, but it was poorly executed. 
<laughs> oh my goodness. Um. <laughs> All right, so I got to get run into the boat soon. Uh, Carl's like, yo, I finished the episode. And uh, I'm done crying, and I need to digest this and talk. So before I get running, uh, where can can the listeners on my side find you, my good sir? You have – you're on the socials. You're also on the, uh, the Patreon. Yes. Uh, so can you let me know where I can get those? And I, we can also put those in our show notes. Oh, excellent. 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 But yes, the, you can follow the podcast on all of the social media as well. A lot of them, <laughs> uh, Twitter, we, our handle is the monster Isla one. And due to contractual obligations, I must also tell you to follow Jimmy <laughs> at NASA, Jimmy. And you can find us on Facebook at Monster Island Film Vault, and we are Monster Island Film Vault on the Instagram, and yes, we are on Patreon as well. I think you should be able to find it by searching Monster Island Film Vault. I am also, as I've hinted at a few times throughout this very epic episode that you're going to have, (laughs) that uh, I am also a writer and an author as well as a podcaster. The oh, but the podcast website is a uh, monsteronfilmvault.com, by the way. And uh, <laughs> my author website is nathanjsmarchand.com. Yes, I have two middle initials and I had to use them for my website because nathanmarchand.com was already taken. I'm gonna find that guy. Um, <laughs> and uh, you can follow my author Twitter if you want to call it that uh, at nathanmarchand7. And I have my professional page on Facebook is the worlds of Nathan Marchand. I think that's everything. Awesome, man. Um, (laughs) And listener, you can, you can also find Nathan's books on Amazon. They are on amazon.com, amazon.ca. I am going to be picking up some when I can. I'm looking forward to it. Um, And I, I highly let me know which ones you want. I might have copies I can send you and they will be signed. I'm gonna take you up on that. Uh, like I said, it's when when I have money. Um, but I'll definitely <laughs> message you, man. Um, all right. So, all that being said, dear listener, I highly recommend uh, check out the Monster Island Film Vault. Uh, the episodes are always good, always entertaining. Um, if you want some fun interaction about Wu Tang Clan, Jimmy on Twitter is hilarious. <laughs> um, we we got into a fun talk about uh, Wu Tang just uh, just the other week, and um, there's so much good stuff here. So I, I highly recommend the show. Nathan, thank you so much for having me on the island, man. Hey, you are always welcome to come back. <laughs> oh oh, you will rue that invitation, sir. Because I'm definitely <laughs> coming back, and we are doing this again. <laughs> oh, uh, I, th- I think Jimmy is a. Uh thinking those are fighting words so <laughs> oh oh jimmy if you want to go sir about the prequels i will bring the poutine i will bring the john williams <laughs> oh 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 uh, wait what the heck jimmy you have your old laser pistol in the drawer in the producer dude put it down okay put it down we will discuss this like civil gentlemen, Jimmy. <laughs> I said Tom Cruise could play you. <laughs> Chris Farley, if he were alive, would play me. There's no comparison here. <laughs> this is pure verbal. Apparently you win this round. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Well, I am, uh, sir, I've got a jet to, got to catch my boat back to the mainland. I will say hello to uh, Carl Sarazawa for you. I'm going to I'll try to find out. I'll try to find out. Yeah, I'd like to know the family relations here. I'm curious. I will definitely, I will definitely try to scope that out. I mean, we have a, we we have a Dr. Sarazawa Memorial Park here. I mean, (laughs) actually, no, it's a Memorial Garden. Excuse me. We have the, it's an Ashira (laughs) Honda Park. We have a Dr. Sarazawa Memorial Garden here. So I'll definitely, uh, I'll try to. I'll try to get it out. He'll be emotional from Clonmore, so he might be more open to uh, heavy <laughs> talks. I know I was. All right. I got a jet. Thank you for having me. Can't wait to come back. And dear listener, I hope you enjoyed today's episode of One Cross Radio. Make sure you check out all of Nathan's socials. Uh, check out his books. Check out the Monster Island Film Vault. I cannot recommend it enough. All that being said, hope you have a wonderful day. Take care. God bless, my friends. Nathan, thank you. Jimmy. We will, we will chat soon, buddy. Have a good one, guys. Take care.